0: Hi, before we start, here's a context warning that one or two of you might be interested in. We've had several more episodes of Serious Disney recorded for a while now, but I've been holding back on releasing them. And one of the reasons is that they were recorded before the whole John Lasseter situation changed what the tone of a Disney chat perhaps ought to be like. And I was waiting to see what happened. Perhaps I should have predicted that it was going to take a long time to resolve properly. So be aware that, even though this episode discusses films and decisions made during the Lasseter era, his behaviour behind the scenes won't be mentioned during it, um, if that bothers you. In fact, I don't think we bring him up at all. The same can't be said for Johnny Depp, another alleged abuser who plays a significant part in the film we're here to talk about. As the extent of that story hadn't yet fully emerged at the time of recording, you're going to hear us just talk as if he's an actor like any other what you don't have to worry about is hearing much praise for the guy. We're here to make a positive podcast, where we celebrate what's good about Disney, but we can't avoid the fact that this film, which we had to cover next for reasons you'll hear at the start, and Depp's performance in it, are not examples of what's good about Disney. But it is a fact that he was a box office drawer at the time, and we say that. And that's basically all we say about him. Hopefully that's okay with you. Okay. Right. That's that's the serious warning. Now let's ramp up to a silly mood, because we're about to have a silly podcast I mean a serious podcast. Sorry, we're going to have a serious podcast Disney.
1: Hello! Hello! Hello,
0: Hello. <laughs> We're here to talk about Alice. Alice's adventures in One Well it's not, is it? It's Alice in Wonderland. It's just Alice in Wonderland. It's, it's Wonderland. just Alice in Wonderland. Um the Tim Burton version. Because this is Serious Disney, do you remember this? Yeah. We're doing a podcast and we have a project that we're going to do. Now previously we've talked about Frozen and... Well, I was going to say and only Frozen, but it's not. It's and all sorts of topics around the general topic of Disney animation and so on. But for the next few episodes we were wondering what, we were going to, what specific films we are going to talk about. And Jahan had an idea that he pitched to me because I hadn't watched any at the time of the live-action Disney films that they've been doing in the last few years. And you had, you'd seen
1: them all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, you know, just to clarify here, we're talking about the string of direct remakes that yes. they've been doing, you know, not... So not going back to, like, no, <laughs> not Her- Herbie the Love bug or whatever. Shaggy Dog or whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah. No, basically everything from Alice in Wonderland through to the current time when we're getting a remake of a classic old Disney film, like, every three months now, or whatever. Now,
0: Johan thought that it was uh, interesting for me to watch these and useful for me to watch these because I'd written off the whole thing. like I, It hadn't crossed my mind to watch any of them. Um, but you'd watch them. And, and in my case, it was because I basically thought of the live-action films as a sort of sequel project to the director dvd era of, of Disney sequels yeah. from the like late 90s, early noughties. And I, and I thought, of, in, a, in a very real way, I, I assumed that it was only happening for that nebulous idea of maintaining copyright.
1: To be honest, like... <laughs> There probably is an aspect to that in the motivation behind yeah. why these are a thing. Yeah. But they have created a series of films that warrant broader cultural discussion. So, um, well, it's
0: Alice. Um, unfortunately, yeah. that's where this begins.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the <laughs> downside of embarking on this particular project. It means that we inevitably have to begin with the 2010 Tim Burton version of Alice in Wonderland. A film which I... Didn't watch
0: and knew I wouldn't watch because I had seen his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Which I described at the time as a very, very good, accurate representation of a nightmare you might have after (laughs) watching either the film or reading the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. His version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was sort of... I want to establish from the outset, and this is go. This goes for Alice as well. Yeah. I am not criticising differences between book and film here. I'm not. I'm yeah. Not. My grievances that I have have nothing to do with like, oh, they did it wrong. Yeah. I am all for them doing it wrong. Um. Or interestingly different. My yes. I mean, do you remember way back before Tim Burton did his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there was a rumor that it was going to be um, Marilyn Manson as Willy Wonka. Yes, I did hear about that, yeah. And I basically think that would have been so much better, <laughs> because at least it would have been something. It would have been an interesting, yeah. weird take on the material, and I think yeah. that in the end what he ended up doing was so neutered from the the concept that we had perhaps, before his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, of Tim Burton as a filmmaker. Yeah, (laughs) I understand that. And the same goes for my general response to Alice, which, you know, we'll get into, but more so. I think Alice is even more nothing than his
1: Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I I agree with that. I don't think we need to introduce this in too much detail. I mean, it's not an obscure film that that people don't know about. It was, I mean... And yet it plays like one, doesn't
0: it? It does! See, I've... oh yeah, I I should establish my my Alice credentials, really. I'll I'll do that to the full in a minute, but basically I am interested in different versions of Alice in Wonderland. It's just one of my interests, and I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm interested and I've seen a lot of them. And this one is no more interesting in any regard than a random, like, Russian cartoon you might dig up on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Which is weird, given yeah. that this is a film that feels like it should be a lot more culturally significant than oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Lest we forget, this was, after it was released, the fifth highest-grossing film of all time worldwide. Yes.
0: Um. Now, why do you think that is?
1: Avatar. Ah, go on. It was the first really big three D film after Avatar. Oh my God! Yes. Um. I'd
0: forgotten how much of a thing the three D was because yeah. I haven't seen it in three D.
1: Yeah. from all accounts, was not a good 3D conversion. It was a conversion. It was the early days of converting. Yes,
0: when it was like almost picture book flat stuff.
1: Frankly, it's probably one of the reasons why... It's probably one of the... If if Avatar is the reason that 3D was popularized, this probably (laughs) laid the seeds of 3D becoming depopularized. Uh, Maybe. But it was the first really big, proper 3D event picture Mm. after Avatar. Um... And it also came along, you know, it's not just Avatar, though. It came along at a time when the idea of Disney remaking their own, you know, most famous works was a novelty. It came at a time when Johnny Depp was still, like, a really huge draw. I can't, off the top of my head, remember the timeline of where this fits with Pirates movies. It was after the first three. I can't remember if the fourth one had, had come out that time. But, you know, the fourth one, even despite being complete empty garbage... Grossed over a billion dollars as mm. well. That was a time when Johnny Depp was like yeah. the a magic ingredient who you just drop into your film and make it gross a billion dollars.
0: This was. Would you say I'm trying to remember if this is if my memory here is accurate? Was this the real focal point of everyone being sick of Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter turning up in everything Tim Burton did?
1: I mean, I don't know if it was the turning point, but I guess it wouldn't surprise me if it was because it was such a gigantic profile yeah. example of everything that characterises the Depp, Bonham Carter, Burton, Triumvirate, yeah. on a huge scale, played to the largest audience those three have ever canvassed yeah. together. Uh, and frankly, it's the worst film that the three of them have made. Yeah, the must off, be. Off the top of my, yeah. Top of my head. Um, yeah, yeah I,
0: I can't think of anything.
1: I suppose, yeah, that, that does bring us into... Just the basic question of what did we think of this film?
0: Well I mean (laughs) Did you like it? May have been getting the impression, but no I didn't like it. I found it I found it very, very interesting, the way in which I didn't like it. There was very little in it that offended me. Yeah. There was little in it that There was just little in it. Yeah. It's 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 so odd to have watched a film this long. Yeah. Because it's very long. I remember on two occasions yeah. thinking it must be about done. <laughs> and on the first it was only halfway done. And yeah. on the second there was half an hour left.
1: It's not actually long. It's, well, it's, le- like, it's less than two hours. Oh, is it? Yeah. Holy crap. I it's thought like, it was like two and a half hours long. No, it's like a, it's like, you know, one hour forty uh, one hour fifty ish. Something like that.
0: God, so I must have really been
1: labouring through it. Yeah, Yeah.
0: like, if I thought that it had nearly finished and there was an hour left, then that was not far through the film.
1: I mean, I think that (laughs) may be an artefact of the fact that the film doesn't have any kind of, like, actual, you know, recognisable story structure. Yeah, isn't that a weird thing about it? We'll talk about that when we come to adaptation. But, like, it's so weird
0: how it wants... It leans into being a version of Alice that has a story, and it doesn't. It sort of... Yeah. It has... A point one, point two, point three structure. But yeah. then in between that it's just stuff.
1: Yeah, you'd have no idea where you are in mm. it, other than when you hit those big points of mm. like, Oh, I I guess this is the point in a film that would demarcate the transition between act one, act two, or act three. Yeah. Like... That's so accurate. The whole thing felt like, oh, this is the part where, in a film... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're watching happen. a film... Yeah. ...then this would be happening So this right isn't now.
0: just me, because I do bring with me baggage of like, oh, I'm already into Alice adaptations or whatever. Yeah. So I wasn't just being cross. Like, this is a very... An, it's, I, did, I In my notes, I wrote down that it's like, this is what it looks like if a film doesn't use the language of film.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so odd to it's watch rambling... This. Yeah, but in in a bad way. Yeah, not in the Lewis Carroll way.
0: That's it exactly. That's this is the thing. It's it's kind of frustrating that a lot of the things that I thought of to say about it, you could say, just like the book. You know, there yeah, isn't no, an overall story. No, but yeah, we <laughs>
1: can we can drill into this further. We will. It makes bit, me quite cross. But I mean, just on this introductory point, yes. I will say yes, I hundred <laughs> percent agree with you. Like it's re- I. I first watched... This was the second time I've watched this film. Yeah. I deliberately avoided it in the cinema because I thought it looked like garbage. Oh, right. Um, I ultimately ended up watching it on a plane. <laughs> um,
0: that is almost exactly how I ended up watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I yeah. was on a boat. Oh, right. Uh, I okay. was, yeah, I was on a... Uh, what do you call them? What do you call them? A boat that you go on holiday on. A ferry. A ferry, a ferry yeah. A ferry yes. uh, to France. And yeah. um, they had a little cinema. And you go down uh, under yes. the deck and they have a... Cinema, and yeah. you start off. There's a lovely little booth, and you pay for your ticket, and you're like, This is great! It's a yeah. little cinema, and then what you end up in is like the equivalent of a school room. Yep, and the wall was made out of partitioned boards, so it kind of like half of it was further back than the rest. Yeah. Creating a visible seam in the middle
1: of the screen. Yes. and Just as Tim Burton intended.
0: (laughs) And so I did think, maybe the nightmare experience I had watching it might be to do with that. Yeah. And then, so I watched it again at home a few years later, and no, it was... No. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was just as sort of... Again, I nearly said, like, trippy an experience, and then people who liked it would go like, yeah... Yeah. But I don't mean it like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, I'm suddenly, I have gained a lot more respect for that film. Absolutely, yeah. Having seen Alice than yeah. I ever had before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory becomes the model of coherence. Yeah. By it, comparison to this.
0: I sort of imagine that, I know everyone talks about the Through the Looking Glass, which I haven't yet watched I and mean, yeah. we're not talking about today, um, through the lens of like, it adds nothing, it's boring, it's nothing. yeah. But is it not at least co- more coherent as a film? Yes. In a, I imagine I would it would say it more is, Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory than Alice.
1: I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, it's important to remember that that isn't a Tim Burton directed well, film. Well, quite. That was James Bobin, the guy who directed one or both of the two recent Mop movies. Oh, did he? He definitely directed the second of the two recent Muppet movies. He's, like, yeah. you know, he's fairly well... Liked. That was fine. I quite like that. I think he used to work on, like, Flight of the Concords and, like, uh, stuff with Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, things like that. So he's... There's nothing... There's, no one has any problem with James Bobin. Yeah. Um, but he was inheriting a poison chalice there. Yes, and isn't it odd that people... Do
0: people think it was a poison chalice, or is it just us? Like, I know there's... Obviously, there's the angry reviewer crowd, Yeah. People, like the families who made it the fifth most highest grossing film ever. Yeah. Have they fallen out of love with it or not? Well, guess, if how they, would we measure it?
1: We measure it by the box office returns for through ah. The Looking Glass, which grossed, I think, less than 300 million. Oh, right. Down from 1.2 billion. Yeah. It was a massive bomb. <laughs> oh, what I wanted to say at the outset
0: and forgot, Yeah. I might as well do it here, is, dear listener... Because we're talking about this film, which neither of us liked, and which is quite a famously bad film, we do want to establish that we're not here to make an angry reviewer Oh, broadcast. no. No. We don't want to do that. We're not yeah. here to go, ha, oh, let's pick a bad film and review it.
1: Or let's take a good film and rip it apart. Yeah.
0: Right? But this film is where we had to start this project. It yeah. is where it began. It's culturally significant. It's in in how much it isn't, and, yeah. and how it kicked off this thing. So we had to start here. Um... I am going to be ranting a bit, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, yeah. I anticipate that the next one, given the next one is Maleficent, will probably be similar. Oh. But then after that, yes. we'll probably we'll yes. be getting into some better stuff. Yes. And then we'll have better things to say. Yeah,
0: hopefully. Unless I've been just carved out. <laughs> my, my brain has just been spooned out like so much flam <laughs> by that time. But I
1: like a lot of those other yes. films, so I'll at least be there defending them. Yeah, and if I don't, we can fight. Yay! <laughs> Hooray! And don't we all need some of that we in do. our lives. But yeah, as for this film, um <laughs> it is not a successful film and I think I think that sort of a discussion of why it isn't mm. starts with the process of adaptation and what this is an adaptation of. Yeah. And um, this Alice, is your area well, of expertise really. Well,
0: let's not say expertise, but yeah, I've just always been interested. Um if you want to know why, it's because I still remember my introduction to Alice, which was when I was, I think, three years old. They happened to do a version of it on TV. Yeah. And it was what you would imagine from sort of mid-80s, I think BBC TV. Okay, right. So it so all a looked- British adaptation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it all looked quite, you know, old-style Doctor Who, quite Narnia. Yeah, yeah. It had sort of like, you know, obvious drawings with people it superimposed in front of it. Yeah. Um, It was all done... Uh, based on the Tenniel drawings, but with BBC Narnia-style face masks. So, for instance, yeah. like uh, one of the first creatures you meet is a mouse, and it does resemble the animals in the book. But it's also a flat-faced human with like a weird pointy nose and stuff. So, so low rent, but charming. Low rent. To me, at the time, I watched a bit of it yesterday, and uh, it's awful. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, very good uh, set work on the going down the rabbit hole. I might show you that. Later okay. On. Uh, but anyway. We happened to go off on a holiday that, while I think like the last episode was on, or the second to last episode, and Mum brought the book with her. She she bought it for me, and she read it to me while we were there. And I just I remember that, and it's just a very, it's just a lovely memory. Shortly after that, she brought me a tape that was Jane Asher reading the whole thing in a sort of radio drama way with lots of sound effects. Uh, I see. Yeah. So from that moment on, the idea of different versions of Alice was just native to me yeah and very very shortly afterwards maybe a couple of years I got the Disney version on DVD on video Video, on VHS and that was me then I was sort of hooked and yeah and that probably had a big part in the fact that I am in no way concerned with film adaptations of things not resembling the, the origin. Yeah, so the, you
1: uh, accepted the differences of the Disney version of Alice at that time absolutely. straight away, basically. Absolutely.
0: Incl- even though I was aware of them. Even, I was, like I say, I would have only been five or six years old, but at that time, loaded with so many you know different versions of things, I knew
1: what bits were from Through the Looking Glass and what bits yeah. were from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm to understand that like, I suppose Alice purists and Alice scholars, mm. a lot of them don't look that favourably on the animated version, do they?
0: I assume not. Uh, although I think it's I think it's gained a certain amount of just the fact that we're so many decades on, I think Yeah. I I assume most people who are into Alice are in some way nostalgic for it. It's it's difficult to be into Alice without having watched it at an early age. Yeah. Certainly at the time there was a lot of pushback to the Disneyfication yeah. of it. it might, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the origin of people being critical of Disneyfication. There's been so many adaptations of Alice. Yeah. So many. And it's this is why I'm fascinated by it. So yeah. many people have tried to do it. And some of them, uh, many of them, you would think most of them, have tried to make their own mark on the thing and adapt it in their own special way. S- loads of them haven't. Loads of yeah. them. There's, there's so many, like just adapt, just straight adaptations of Alice. Yeah that, yeah, that it's it's frankly weird. Yeah. Or um, stuff
1: that just directly chris from the Disney version. <laughs> there's those.
0: Yeah. Do you mean those sort of the the cheap videos you used to be able to get? Yeah. Those those it, kinds of thing. Yeah. Fairy tale classics. Alice in yeah, Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't like, seen many of those, but I'd like no, to. Yeah. I would like to. I find it all interesting. Um. One of those I find fascinating generally because a lot of the time, like. For example, when Beauty and the Beast came out, yeah. that would have been the year that a lot of people either made their own cheap straight to video Beauty and the Beast having not seen the Disney version, yeah, or dug up from the archives an old 60s TV version they happened to have the license to and, and released. repackaged it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so what you find is all of these like still circulated adaptations of fairy tales from before Disney added talking candlesticks to them and so yeah. on. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. The uh,
0: the iconography that Disney Disney changes the iconography of stuff yeah. in a in a really interesting way. Like, Beauty and the Beast in particular, to me, before the Disney version, the image I had of that was a ring being placed on a bedside table, which was a big deal in the story in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't even remember it now, but it's like every night it's put on a bedside table and he's in some way connected to this ring. Um, and now it's talking teapots. Yeah. Well, with Alice. The funny thing is the Disney version, the old Disney version did actually just bring in stuff that's technically from the book, and then they redesigned
1: it. Yeah, exactly. I was I was just about to say that. The Disney Alice, I can't think of any massive additions no. it actually makes to what Other is than in the drawing
0: book. in stuff from Looking Glass. Like yeah,
1: yeah. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. But it doesn't make anything up wholesale, no. really, does it?
0: And uh, honestly, neither does the Tim Burton version. It just redesigns them all. I just want to mention a couple of, like, Adaptations that I do think are worth mentioning. Yeah, and one of them is the Looking Glass Wars. Have you heard about this? No, it? I've never heard of that actually. The Looking Glass Wars is a book that came out in 2004, and I had it. I, I got it because I saw it. I was fascinated. It's by a chap called Frank Bedor, and the the Tim Burton version of Alice. Yeah, is so suspiciously close to this book huh. that it's frankly weird. There hasn't been a lawsuit, <laughs> right? Um, it's about a grown Alice who secretly was from Wonderland in this version. I see. Goes back and has to meet everyone again, and the cards are, like, armoured soldiers, and it's... Yeah. The Hatter is one of the main characters, and
1: it's like a... It's so weirdly close. Is it the same sort of idea of, recon, you know, recontextualizing it as more of a kind of a fantasy epic?
0: Oh, Oh, thousand percent! Way more to yeah. the point where, when I watched the uh, Tim Burton one, I was really surprised how little he actually did that. Yeah. So the Frank Bedder story—it's a weird little beast—and it's worth mentioning who Frank Bedder is. He's, I believe, a champion skier. Oh, <laughs> okay. Or, or something along those lines, some kind of winter sport. Yeah. And he did so well at that that he got various endorsements. Yeah. And he was able through that to make certain connections and go on to be the producer of There's Something About Mary. Oh, oh! <laughs> Having done that, right? He, he then decided to write a trilogy of fantasy epics about Alice in Wonderland,
1: and I have my. Well, he sounds like a real Renaissance
0: man. Yeah, um, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I have no reason to particularly criticise this project, but I, in my heart, I want to because the way he went about it. Feels to me a bit weird, and 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 he and he's not. It's not like he's you know done it in a shady way. Like it's part of the marketing. Yeah, he, he advertised the way that he went about this. He developed it like a film because yeah. he came from film. So what he did was he basically hired um, to hear him tell it, um, yeah. which is in, in itself um, not an entirely reliable source because. In every interview he's ever given, he maintains that he went to the British Museum and found the pack of cards that Alice in Wonderland was based on, okay. which isn't real. Right. Then went to an antique dealer and, f- and found the remaining cards and the antique dealer told him the true
1: story of Wonderland, which isn't real. Um, this sounds like it's going to lead into a children's film.
0: Oh, like th- that it would open with him? Well, I yeah. I, I, I rather like imagine... It sounds
1: like the framing
0: device for a children's film. I think film. he always thought of it as that. I think okay. he was always working towards the movie adaptation, and then this happened. Yeah. And it, uh, honestly, I think that the Tim Burton's Alice is why we don't have a Looking Glass Wars movie, yeah. because we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, to hear him tell it, <laughs> he hired concept artists, Yeah. step one, had them redesign the stuff from Alice, and and I've written down, because the way he said it had such an effect on me. His quote about the way he re-envisioned Alice was, except much darker and twisted and goth. Ah. <laughs> and goth. And goth. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> he, um, right. So he hired a load of, uh... Oh, quote, I read the books and I despised them.
1: Oh, wow. So he... Okay. <laughs> he, Interestingly, uh, Tim Burton says that he has no liking of the book either. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And I think we're seeing why, because both of these people took... Basically, t- Tim Burton has made an adaptation of the pop culture understanding of the iconography of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Which... And I don't think he's made... I don't think he's particularly made uh, an adaptation that's much to do with, like, you know, a remake of the Disney cartoon. It's just the contribution the Disney cartoon had to the popular understanding of Alice in Wonderland, which was
1: enormous. Especially, and, you know, I'll get into this probably a bit later, especially when you look at how the later remakes have proceeded, it's striking how little this film has any interest in drawing anything from the actual yeah. iconography of the Disney version yeah. of Alice in Wonderland. No interest in doing that at all.
0: Well, and I think that was the sort of stated purpose. Like, at the yeah. time, coming off his, coming off his Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but more than that, coming off his general reputation. Yeah. Not knowing that there would be, and oh, we don't know, I suppose, whether yeah. Disney had any idea that they would be doing these live-action remakes as a thing, but it being the first one... We just thought he was going to do the Twisted Tales of Alice, like yeah. the weird Tim Burton version, which itself was weird because of another adaptation that's worth mentioning, which is the American McGee I was about game.
1: to mention those, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know much about that. I never got around to playing it. Do you no, know much
1: about it? No, I don't I Only just by knowing basically yeah. the aesthetic and what it looks like. There was another one recently, wasn't there? Well,
0: there was. Um, but what I think I would describe it as at the time would have been, like, imagine if Tim Burton did a version
1: of Alice. Yeah, it is. And they both... I mean, all three of these pieces of work, they take that say, take up that same principle of, like, what if Alice grew up, um, yep. basically, that her psychology was in some way affected, yep. you know, to some degree by her experience in Wonderland, yep. then as, as an older person she returns to Wonderland and finds it reshaped in a darker, more twisted and more goth way... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that may or may not be something to do with the fact that her psychology is different yeah. when coming back to it.
0: So I was just saying that he hired these concept artists, had them paint up, like, re-imagine Alice like this, and then he wrote a book around that. So yeah. I don't know how many of the ideas were his. Yeah. So a part of me does object to how he says things like, I despise the books, how he always opens interviews with talking about his credentials as a story maker. Yeah. When what he's done is write a fanfic about a thing. <laughs> yeah. Based yeah. on other people's interpretations of that thing, it doesn't yeah. seem to me as that, that big of a thing. But he did tie it all together and do the "what if this was this" approach to Alice. So yeah. she Alice spelt A L Y S S
1: G- again. And, sorry again,
0: A L Y S S. Alice,
1: why? Because it's more goth. I don't know. Is it? It's more Terminator Genesis, is what it is. <laughs> well
0: it that that name lays the groundwork for what the whole thing is it's really like well what if yeah that was do you know what i'll talk about one more adaptation of it when i was 11 years old 11 years old maybe 12 yeah I was taken by my art teacher, not just me, like a group... Yeah, okay, just checking. To an... But I think it wasn't my art class, so I must have been personally invited to this thing. Right. Maybe because she'd got, she'd got wind of the fact that I was into Weird Alices or something. So
1: you were abducted...
0: By my art teacher. Yeah. And she took us to an um, an exhibition locally... Yeah. ...of the original wood print art. For okay. For the Tenniel illustrations for Alice in Wonderland. And, um... And I was really into this. And yeah. then the, 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 we had more time there than it took to look around the thing. So what we did... Oh, and there was a news crew. So what we did was we drew Alice pictures. That yeah. was like the exercise. And um, my art teacher knew that I was basically willing to talk to strangers. <laughs> and so uh, she said, why not go and talk to David over there? And she knew that I was into drawing. So she thought, oh, he's probably drawn a halfway decent Alice that can show my skills as an art teacher. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for her, what I'd done is a bit more dark and twisted and goth. Oh, no! Um, And I had drawn, like, basically to to impress my friends around me at the time who I'd made that day. Yeah. I was trying to draw, like, the twistedest version of Alice I could. So, like, the Queen of Hearts was ripping out someone's heart. I see. And the Mad Hatter, I started off with, like, what if it was the Sad Hatter? And then I landed on the Sadist Hatter. Oh, wow. So he's also doing something horrible. I can't remember what. Yeah. There was...
1: Someone was made of chainsaws. And... So this was your short-lived Grimdark period. Yes. uh, Right. And I... I didn't imagine that you had had one. But I suppose... Who doesn't? (laughs) And I, um... (laughs) I... Well, it
0: might have been the day that it died. Well, I remember the news crew coming over to me and I I held up my picture and I said, and I quote, and I do the voice, Look at my cool poster. And I heard this coming out of me. Yeah. Look at my cool poster. And I realised what I'd done there is I'd really leaned into the local accent. Yeah. As a way of sounding hard. (laughs) And I think that was the last time I ever did. I think that's why I talk in this nothing accent that I have now. Right. Um,
1: so this is a, that was a very formative experience. It really was. That was like your origin story. Basically,
0: The Looking Glass Wars. The reason I bring that up yeah. is that. He's right, gone, yeah. what if this was this? Yeah, yeah. What if the Queen of Hearts was ripping out someone's heart? What if the White Rabbit was had a chainsaw? Whatever it was. <laughs> but he's gone the rather more intelligent route of, okay, what if the Mad Hatter is actually a man called Hatter Madigan, who okay. is the chief, I don't know, the chief something of the army, yeah. the Queen's army. I think it's in this that his hat is a portal you can jump down, unless that's a different version of Alice that I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, so it's all stuff like, what if, oh, the cards, they weren't playing cards, they yeah. were just like wide soldiers that was in some way tactical. What if the... The Red Queen had killed the other Queen, and like I think she's the mother of Alice, Princess <laughs> Alice Heart, ah, and ah, it's not the Queen of Hearts; it's like ah. she's just Queen Heart. And what if it's Queen Red? You know, with two Ds and three Ds. Yeah, and the uh, and of course it's an epic fantasy sort of chosen one thing. And his version of it is that Alice, Alice. <laughs> Ends up going through the portal to Earth to escape the war. Yeah, yeah. Tells her story to Charles Dodgson, who ruins it. Right. By by thinking it's the the musings of a small child speaking from the pure imagination of a child. I see. And he then adds his own stuff to turn it into a fairy tale, not really having paid attention to the details of her story because he didn't believe them
1: so it's a what if w- i'll tell you the real story precisely off. okay that
0: and then he as i say markets it with this story yeah. of this antique dealer told him the real story while turning over the cards in this deck which by the way he's had made he's i had see a chest see. made with these okay. cards in, and he's like each one of these cards represents a story so i'll be telling them for years to come i see Out comes tim burton's alice and the series stops book three <laughs> okay um oh dear and that is really the rundown of relevant adaptations here, because you've got American McGee's Alice, which is what we thought t- Tim Burton's Alice was when we imagined it in our teenage hearts. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got The Looking Glass Wars, which is the epic fantasy, what if it had a coherent storyline version of Alice. Yeah. And then Tim Burton comes along, and I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced he copied either of those. I yeah. don't think he'd... Played the game or read the book. No, I doubt it. Because there's no... There's none of that
1: creativity to be found. No. In his version. No. I mean, you know, obviously we should, we should also mention that, that... You know, like, this isn't just Tim Burton's work, obviously. No. You know, like, we need to mention the fact that this is written by Linda Wolverton. It's written by Linda Wolverton, uh, who
0: did Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, she did. So, she's
0: clearly someone with credentials. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that she, exactly, that she was the, if not soul, then life and soul, um, yeah. expander of those scripts for the stage versions of yeah. Beauty and the Beast yeah. yeah, she was. But then didn't she also do the live-action Beauty, which was not really...
1: Yeah, I mean that's for a later episode. It is. But yes, she did do that, and um, yeah, no, she is not any guarantee that I uh, like a thing. Nothing but, against
0: her, but it just means that she's not some kind of force that was likely to work against Tim Burton.
1: Yeah, and frankly, like there's there's stuff that we'll get into a bit later on it where you know she's tried to bring some of her modern reinterpretation through a feminist lens. There's quite a lot of. Uh, you know, that same thing that she brought to Beauty and the Beast yeah, with some success. Very successfully, yeah. Um, and with a lot less success in this case. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, I think the point that we're really like zeroing in on here by talking about all these ad- other adaptations is that the Timbernalis is a film that attempts to impose story structure mm. on a book that doesn't have one.
0: Which you sort of... in. Inme- I think this is the difference between the Alices that try and make their own mark and the Alices that don't. Yeah. A lot of the time, if you're making a film, you, you have to put a story in because it's a way of imposing structure yeah. onto something that was never intended to have structure. No,
1: I mean, Alice in Wonderland... I mean, I've only had fleeting encounters with mm. the actual book itself. But from my experiences of it, yeah. it's... It's more like a poem, sort of. The main thing that it's
0: worth—the main thing that it's worth knowing about this book—that um, informs watching an, a, an adaptation of, and this includes with the Disney version, any of them—is that the book, first of all, is still really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you ever read it, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, secondly, it is a satire of a, a few things, most of which are kind of lost to time. Yeah. But among them is like the particular. C- uh, Social group that they lived in, yeah. Like individuals are satirized, yeah. That wouldn't have even been famous in the country, just in that one area of the country, yeah. Uh, I understand that the illustration of the Mad Hatter is a caricature of a real person, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot, like I think, like the Dodo might be like someone from Oxford or something. It's, right, okay. It's not not necessarily yeah. that, but yeah. stuff like yeah, that, like that, yeah. Um, but even as a modern reader, when you read it. Stuff that you grew up thinking was like mad wild ideas, yeah, make total sense, and you yeah. go, oh, that's why that's there. Yeah. So there's there's never a moment when it's like, oh, isn't it weird that there's a cat who disappears down to a grin because it's a grinny cat. No, he leads with the the at the time famous phrase, he's grinning like a Cheshire cat. Yeah and goes, and here's the Cheshire cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a joke. It's like, check it out, a Cheshire cat. It's I'm making it into like it's a breed of cat. Yeah. And you go, oh! Because, <laughs> you know, and we don't even know now. There's no record now of yeah. why that, what that phrase meant. There's theories. Some people think it was because, like... Apparently there were like stone lions in Cheshire or something okay. and they had they had a weird grin right. on their face. Okay. There's another theory that there was a smiling cat was like the stamp of a famous cheese brand from Cheshire right. or something like that. No one really knows. Yeah, yeah. But we know the kind of thing it was. Yeah. People would say he's grinning like a Cheshire cat. He turns it round to be here's the Cheshire cat. Everything in Alice is like that. It's
1: all wordplay yeah. and
0: like Do you remember the um In the Disney version, the Tweedles, doing this little thing, ''You are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white.'' Yes. This is a long thing in the book. Again, out of absolutely nowhere. And you have to read into the subject to find out that this is a parody of a really pious poem about, like, how young Christians should behave. Okay. ''You are old, Father William,'' the young man cried. ''The few locks which are left you are grey. "'You are hale, Father William, a hearty old man. Now tell me the reason, I pray.' "'In the days of my youth,' Father William replied, "'I remembered that youth would fly fast, and abused not my health and my vigour at first, that I never might need them at last.' "'You are old, Father William,' the young man cried, "'and pleasures with youth pass away. And yet you lament not the days that are gone. Now tell me the reason, I pray.' In the days of my youth, Father William replied, I remembered that youth could not last. I thought of the future, whatever I did, that I never might grieve for the past. You are old, Father William, the young man cried, and life must be hastening away. You are cheerful and love to converse upon death. Now tell me the reason I pray. I am cheerful, young man, Father William replied. Let the cause thy attention engage. In the days of my youth, I remembered my God. And he hath not forgotten my age. That he's done this madcap, stupid version of? Yeah. You are old, Father William, the young man said, and your hair has become very white, and yet you incessantly stand on your head. Do you think, at your age, it is right? In my youth, Father William replied to his son, I feared it might injure the brain, but now that I'm perfectly sure I have none, why, I do it again and again. You are old, said the youth, as I mentioned before, and have grown most uncommonly fat, yet you turned a back somersault in at the door, pray, what is the reason of that? In my youth, said the sage as he shook his grey locks, I kept all my limbs very supple. By the use of this ointment, one shilling the box, allow me to sell you a couple. You are old, said the youth, and your jaws are too weak for anything tougher than suet, yet you finished the goose with the bones and the beak, pray, how did you manage to do it? In my youth, said his father, I took to the law and argued each case with my wife, and the muscular strength which it gave to my jaw has lasted the rest of my life. You are old, said the youth. One would hardly suppose that your eye was as steady as ever. Yet you balanced an eel on the end of your nose. What made you so awfully clever? I have answered three questions, and that is enough, said his father. Don't give yourself airs. Do you think I can listen all day to such stuff? Be off, or I'll kick you downstairs. Um... Which is brilliant. When you, this is why, like, I've got myself the annotated Alice. We have a copy of it here. <laughs> That's me flapping it for if we ever need to re- reference anything. Yeah. Um. And they print the whole original version I of see. things, and you can just, as you look at that, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, I get it. But we've been, we've been like raised to believe that these are either just nothing, just nonsense, or wild and wonderful creative applications of nonsense, and they're yeah. not. They yeah. are parodies of. Stuff that the original OG readers yeah. would have immediately recognized. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's well, that's one of the things that I think that the original Disney adaptation actually captures because mm. it has the benefit of being an old Disney film. Yes. And old Disney films, you know, this is something I noticed while it went that time that we did rewatch all of Basically, every single Disney film up until The Rescuers in the Mm. 70s are just episodic sequences of Mm. like bits and pieces. They usually have some sense of a broader story, but there's no A to B to C progression, and there's no sense of, like, this scene happened, therefore this scene happens, therefore Mm. this scene happens. It's more like they made films back then with the same sensibility that they made Merry Melody's yeah. shorts, yeah. but they just stitched the, you know, they just featured the same characters and then stitched them together into a movie.
0: Kind of, yeah. And... I suppose, I suppose exception to that would be something like Peter Pan, where there's a bit more of a through story, but even there... Even
1: it's, there, it's like, then they leave there, and yeah. then they go to this place... Now and, we have the this sequence. Yeah, and they encounter the this guy, and he's, you know, in this one scene, and then he goes away. And the funny thing about the Tim version, Tim version button
0: <laughs> is that it's a sort of an attempt to do a, a proper plotted through story, but really it's just
1: a load of stuff. Here, right. This is where I want to really start drilling into the Tim Burton version. Yes. Because... Let's do that. This is a film that is attempting to impose story structure on nonsense, topical jokes, mm-hmm. abstract imagery, sections of, like, poetry. While still trying to eat its cake of
0: presenting itself as nonsense abstraction.
1: And it does not work. No. It does not work in the slightest. No. And, like, I think one one of the big reasons is... The the nature of the story they've tried to tell, like, recasting it as, like, so Alice returns to um, Underland.
0: Underland. (laughs) Do you know, because we don't want to be all negative, I will say, one thing I liked in this film... Yeah. ...is Anne Hathaway pronouncing it like
1: Sunderland. I quite like that as well. Very inconsistent with everything else. Everyone else calls it Underland. Yeah. Sunderland. (laughs) (laughs) But Underland. Underland. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. And she's the queen, so... Well done, yeah. well done, film. We liked Anne Hathaway mispronouncing a word. I, in my head, <laughs> in my head
0: canon, it's that it's called Underland, <laughs> but the Queen of Hearts calls it Underland, so everyone has to call it okay. Underland while she's the Queen. But now it's Underland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the idea of that being the story structure where she comes back. Yeah. She comes back, and there's a prophecy she's about her. She's one. the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. She needs to. Unite all of the people of Underland (laughs) in in like a kind of, you know, revolutionary army sort of way. Overthrow the tyranny, slay the final boss, and reclaim your destiny.
0: What's the final boss called, Johan? The
1: the Jabberwock.
0: It should be, shouldn't it? (laughs) But for some reason, it's called the Jabberwocky, which is the name of the poem about the Jabberwock. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that one got me. (laughs) oh that one properly that set me off that was where my alice Puris came in not because it not because they changed it because it just it just implied that no one had paid any attention
1: that's not that doesn't feel like a deliberate artistic change no that that feel that smacks of someone just being wrong yes (laughs) (laughs) um that jabberwocky thing is really unforgivable it really
0: annoys me i'm glad you think so yeah
1: It's like if they made a Zelda film. Yeah, and called him Zelda. And just called Link Zelda (laughs) through the whole thing. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, this story structure that I just described, I heard you groaning as I related it to you. (laughs) Yeah. That's because it's the least imaginative, most generic thing you could possibly force Alice in Wonderland to be. It's bitterly ironic that they've done this to Alice in Wonderland, given the the textual theme that the film is attempting to explore, is decrying and rebelling against the idea of kooky, creative people being forced by society to conform (laughs) to, like, the mundane roles that society expects them to play. Part of me wants
0: it to be that Tim Burton really is the incredibly creative auteur that we imagined he was. Yeah. And that he was forced by executive decisions to make this piece of trash. (laughs) But it's been so long since I've seen... Like, I've seen quite a lot of Tim Burton films now. And it's like, Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice... Yeah. ...and Ed Wood. Yeah. They strike me as the Tim Burton we're talking about. Yeah. And then I kind of don't have an opinion about Mars Attacks. And then we get... (laughs) quite quickly to this era of him bringing out billions of films, it seems like. Yeah. That are just the the most rote, generic, by-numbers films yeah, yeah. that can possibly be done, with a with a nod to the Kookie Tim Burton we all imagine by putting stripes and curls on a couple of things. Yeah. Not even many things.
1: It feels like Planet of the Apes broke him. I, <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, when I... But that's long story, enough ago that, that there's yeah. not really an excuse anymore. Well,
0: it was, what, 20 years ago or yeah. something? When... Big fish came out, and I saw that, yeah, I thought of that as an exception, and I thought of that as a good otori worthwhile film. that thought. was
1: him trying something genuinely different from everything else he's done, right,
0: yeah, yeah, but now it's been so long that I can't really weigh in on what my opinion of it is because I haven't seen it since the cinema. yeah,
1: cinemas. but it was at least an attempt
0: it, and it felt at the time like it a good yeah. one,
1: yeah, well, he's done here's the thing since this stuff he's. Shown signs of, like, trying to break out again a little bit. He did that film, uh, Big Eyes, a couple of years ago with Amy Adams. Don't remember that. It was of. like a biopic of um, Margaret Keane, the lady who drew all the kind of oh. weird cherub-looking children yes. with the giant eyes. Oh, interesting. Um, and it wasn't meant to be great, but it was, you know, people acknowledged that, like, yeah, this the make Tim more Burton like I this. Want. Yeah. I-, I
0: want, an Tim Burton has always been best when he's undersung. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he's always he made these films that were like from somewhere inside him. Yeah. And um and I get the sense that that includes when he was an animator at Disney. I think he yeah. he he brought himself to the table in a very big way. Yeah. And then it's when you get films like this where you start to where they're so egregiously empty that you start to wonder if there ever was anything in him at all. This
1: is the thing and this is the point that I was going to get to with that. Like like I said, Burton has He's shown, like, you know, like I said, big eyes. Even Miss Peregrine's home for Peculiar Children. Yeah, and that was a bit different as well. That felt a little bit more like, you know, young adulty, a bit more like sort of X-Men-y, yeah. rather than just the old Tim Burton stuff. Yeah. Tim Burton is showing signs that he wants to leave his comfort zone a little bit. Helena Bonham Carr, you know, I mean, she's split from him seemingly personally and artistically now. Yeah. And she's showing signs of wanting to branch out a little bit. Johnny Depp, obviously, is... For a variety we of reasons. throw him
0: on the heap now, can't we?
1: <laughs> but he's no longer in that comfort zone he was in back then. But in 2010, all of them were right slap-bang in it. Oh, yeah. And Alice in Wonderland is kind of like just the autopilot version, version yeah. of it, almost everybody in yeah, the film. It's like,
0: oh, that's the weird thing, isn't it? How amazing this cast is and how
1: trash they all are in it. It's... yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I wouldn't call them trash so much as they're adding nothing nobody is adding okay i will make like two exceptions Uh of people who add anything to this i would say helena bonham carter is actually on the right wavelength for this movie i think that her performance it's very you know it's very standard bonham carter burton collaboration of that era but she's dialed to the right level that is
0: at least she yes if tim Burton. (laughs) I was about to speak in the hypothetical. (laughs) If Tim Burton was to make an Alice, Helena Bonham Carter would be a good pick for the Queen. Yeah. I'll certainly go that far. I didn't like her in it, but... No. But, but, yeah, the decisions for what her Queen will be are all but one fine. That one being that it is very similar to the character in Blackadder, isn't
1: it? Yes. Yes,
0: it is. It's very similar. In a very odd, almost the same way.
1: But that's not inappropriate. No,
0: it's not. Um... Honestly, it makes me think cast her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I guess. But it's not like she didn't do a good job of that. It's just the context of the film didn't really allow her to really make anything of it. And the other one is I always find Crispin Glover interesting.
0: Crispin Glover I found extremely interesting in this because um, I know I hated it, I'm afraid. I I didn't like it, but I didn't think he was... He wasn't terrible. Crispin Glover's head... Wasn't yeah. <laughs> terrible. This is my, this is where that my problem arose. It was yeah. that you had this you had this reasonable performance or as reasonable as you could expect from a man locked into some kind of head thing. Into some yeah. kind of thing keeping his body still. On a CG body yeah. that was some of the I mean, I can't really remember what the state of the art of C G in twenty ten was, but yeah. I think it was above this. Yeah, yeah. And he's it never looks convincing to me. It it always looks like, you know, Legolas on the Troll or Harry Potter on the Broom, so the yeah. first film, with a real head on top that's jerking and juddering about with someone's best attempt at making it match <laughs> yeah. the animation. They didn't rotoscope... What they should have done, I think, is like... Not rotoscope. Motion-captured yeah. Crispin Glover and then exaggerated and bended it if what they were going for was weird movement. But it seems like what they were going for was as natural movement as they could. Yeah, so I yeah. don't know why they did it. Was it to make him... Slightly tall, because he didn't even look particularly tall. It took me ages to figure out that he was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess there was something about the uncanniness of him. It really th- is that sort of worked the, for me in the, that context. To me, the
0: worst moment that I did that I that I didn't like the worst. So we can measure this against like whatever you thought worked about it. Yeah, was when he's on his horse. Yeah. which I think is the butler from Downton Abbey, and the, the horse. Turns, <laughs> I think it may be. Yeah, and the horse turns around and goes he's just told the dog he's not going to murder his Family. wife and children. Yeah. And, or oh, is the dog the butler from Down Abbey? The, Someone the is.
1: dog is Timothy Spall.
0: Oh, of course. And the horse turns around and goes, dogs will believe anything. And at that point... Crispin Glover just sort of nods, but he sort of does this. It's like a. he, he His whole head goes up and down really far because, of course, he yeah. is in some studio, in some shoulder rig. Yeah. Uh, whatever movement he's allowed to do. So he's trying to act with just moving his head up and down. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's like superimposed on a body and it's almost juddering about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why they chose to do it the way they did. CG body real head, I get. Yeah, yeah. This version of that, I don't. Very strange. Just pasting a piece of footage on yeah. a different thing is in the era of motion yeah. capture. I,
1: I guess it sort of worked for me because I just see Crispin Glover as a very strange presence yeah. anyway. So it to me, it just sort of accentuated yeah. how odd he just is. Yeah. And as a kind of a creepy villain, mm. that sort of worked. As did, you know, Helena Bon Carter with her giant head which was again an uncanny weird effect that that,
0: was absolutely fine. that
1: worked for me in that context yeah. it's just everyone else it's
0: my only my only little thing about that is that i wish they hadn't made it a story point i wish it had been a design point yeah. But everyone goes on about her big head yeah and I, and I think it
1: would have just been better if they hadn't well you'll be uh, you'll be thrilled to know that in the, <laughs> in the looking glass they offer a story reason for it oh do they undo her tie and it goes down yeah, <laughs> like I say, that one slash two people aside, yep. yeah. nobody else brings any value to anything that they're doing.
0: Including their in, including individual lines. I think yeah. every line in this is delivered with as little acting as possible. Uh, there's no acting in this film. No. Everyone, like that line I just said in the film would be, there's no acting in the film. <laughs> it's yeah. all delivered like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, and anything that any value that you do get from it is just because they cast amazing people mm. with brilliant voices. Yes. Like Alan Rickman and Christopher yes. Lee.
0: Yes. It should have all been a total shoe in that those people would bring
1: something to the characters. And it, it, it makes me marvel at how they didn't. I will tell you why I think that well, it doesn't. Because, and again, this, this tracks back to the point that I was going to make before. Okay. It's because of the nature of what they're adapting. This, these characters are not designed to live in this plot yeah. and therefore they don't work yeah. in this plot. Like, I think that's why the villain characters work better for me than the hero characters. Because the villain characters are just there to fulfill basically the same sort of role they've always fulfilled. They are weird, surreal antagonists that do crazy things. Whereas all of these other guys, the Mad Hatter, the March mm. Chair, the uh, the white rabbit, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the Cheshire cat—they're all suddenly meant to be recontextualized as poor, downtrodden, empathetic people yeah. from a fantasy kingdom that yeah. is under siege and under tyranny, and, and otherwise underpopulated. There doesn't seem to be anyone else. No, no. But we're supposed to sympathize with their this plight. one
0: tea party is under the thumb <laughs> of an evil queen, <laughs> <Is that>
1: right? <laughs> and a burnt village and this weird cat, yeah. Uh, like... <laughs> But yeah, that's the thing. These are supposed to be our... These are the little people. These are the, the members of the revolutionary army who we're going to watch band together as brothers and root for their joy and their success yeah. and their uprising. And they are not designed to work like no. that. They are creepy, weird, one-note joke characters yeah. and the script doesn't do anything to recontextualize them or rewrite them. It doesn't do frankly, the thing that it should do and say, what if they were this? Yeah. They don't do that with the hero characters at all. What's really,
0: really, weird is, take the Tea Party, for instance, the Mad Hatter, right? They, okay, they make him a Hatter. He has this profession. Fine, that's a a
1: worthwhile addition. Okay, the Mad Hatter, they do a little bit of that with, but, like, everyone else they don't.
0: But the thing is... The Mad Hatter, they they go with the word mad. Yeah. And they go, what if he's really mad? What if his, his eye moves around, his accent changes? Yeah. Now and then he goes off on a rant. Like, he does weird things. Yeah. Whereas, like, that is itself an invention. Yeah. Because, like, what was mad about the Mad Hatter in the book is just that he's saying poems like anybody else in it. Yeah. So, like... And okay, so the Disney version cast Edwin and that gave it this extra mad edge. But it is an addition. So while you're adding stuff, why not add some contextual reason for these characters to be here? Yeah. Why not change who they are?
1: Like I said, they do try that a little bit with the Mad Hatter by, you know, trying to make him a little, you know, give him a bit of a grounding, give him a sense that like... This is a person who is this unhinged because of bad circumstances in his life, and it's, it's sad that he's this way, and you can, in some way, in that character, you know, once you look past the grotesquery of the design and the overly maddened nature of the performance, I can see where in the script this person represents the sad plight of this world, yeah. and why, you know, this is a person to be pitied and empathised with, and yeah. why you want to save the world so you can help this guy.
0: But wouldn't it have been far more interesting to see him in a rundown down Hatter's shop in a village where everyone's downtrodden. Yeah. Rather than nothing and nowhere and nobody.
1: Yeah. Like, rather than... They're just sitting at the tea party yeah. table doing that stuff from Alice in Wonderland. That stuff. Because... I but, was always really confused as to whether or not Alice in Wonderland is supposed to have happened. Wh- what do you mean by Alice in Wonderland? Like,
0: it seems to have supposedly all happened. Yeah. But it's constantly undermined. The caterpillar isn't a butterfly yet, for instance. Oh, uh, yeah. Um... The Japawaki claims to be up against his old foe when he faces the Vorpal Sword, but he clearly hasn't been killed by it before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what a grand being like that would think was so good about another sword that hadn't done anything to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's unclear. Um,
0: they get to... The, the, the implication all the way through is that she's been here before. Yeah. This is her back again. Yeah. And so you go, oh, okay, so... Some version of Alice in Wonderland has Okay, happened.
1: that's what I wanted you to specify. What version of Alice in Wonderland do you mean has already happened in this world? Because it's... And this yeah. brings me on to the other massive problem I have yeah. with the way they've done this. Yes... Some version yeah. of Alice in Wonderland has happened, but it's not a version we've ever seen. No, it's definitely not the dis- the original nope. animated nope. version because we see the little flashback to when she's a child. Exactly, and no, it's still these same guys, yeah. and she's doing all of that stuff from Alice in Wonderland, painting the roses red, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But it's not a version we've ever seen. What we see there was, as I was watching it, was what
0: I I was going like, I wish they'd made that. Uh, yeah, that would have been Alice in Wonderland. It would have been an Alice in Wonderland
1: adaptation. But the big so that would have been fine. The big thing is. This film is written as a sequel to Alice in Wonderland, but the film seems to assume that A, that film exists, and B, that we've seen it, so it doesn't bother introducing any of the characters. It's striking. When she gets to... Underland, all of these characters, they just turn up and just start... talking as if we already care about them
0: if if they'd implied that this was like without saying it without obviously showing clips of it if there had been the ability to think that the animated version had happened yeah and now we will now everything has gone weird yeah that would have been fine so it's
1: like remember that investment you had in the 1950 whatever version of tweedledee and tweedledum just transfer that across because it's the same guys isn't it sad to see how they're in this position but it's very clear no it's not those versions yeah. these are new versions that you've never seen yeah. before are we gonna introduce you to them are we going to establish give you an establishing scene to demonstrate why you should care about these characters no we just assume that you do because look it's the guys from Alice in Wonderland yeah. they're not from an Alice in Wonderland that I am invested in no. so therefore I don't care about anybody yeah. at all that you know like I said, it they were making a hard enough job for themselves to try and get us to compassionately care yeah. about this collection of, like... They're like punch cartoons yeah. or something.
2: yeah.
1: You know, you're, it's like you're trying to get me to empathize with a character from something Gerald Scarf drew yeah. in The Telegraph. Yeah. And, like... But you're even hobbling yourself further by adopting this weird pseudo-sequel structure that works on this assumption that and we don't even need to bother recontextualizing any of these people to show you why you should care. And there's
0: no reason given. There's no, no. like big it had to be a nineteen year old Alice because. Yeah. Um except that it would be inappropriate for someone to propose to a seven year old Alice, but <laughs> it's inappropriate for that to be in the film. So Yeah. So it's like well, okay. The it the only reason watching the film I could come up with when that flashback started to happen. Yeah. The only reason I could think of for them to not make that version of this yeah. film and to have made this version is not to want to rely on a child actor. But yeah. there's no flipping acting in the film as it is, so no, exactly, it would have yeah. made a lick of difference. I, I, I'm, I don't want to be mean, but like I might have to watch something else that Mia, what's her name, Vazikovsky? I think so. I I ought to watch her in something else, because at this stage, I'm convinced she's not an actor.
1: I believe that she's been good in other things, like from Reputation. I've only seen her in these two films, but I know that she's...
0: See, because in this, she has... The same sort of acting that I would expect if they cast like Ringo Starr, <laughs> like someone who's
1: a, a musician. Look, I would. Someone I who, would watch. Oh God, a, a version of Alice in Wonderland yeah. Ringo star played. But well, what I mean,
0: I'm drawing on him as an example of someone <laughs> yeah. who's famous for a reason that isn't yeah. acting, and yeah. therefore gets to be. Or like, I I wondered if she was like a catalog model or something. Like, no, she's an actress. Really? I,
1: yeah. And frankly, you, that, doesn't, that doesn't show through. And, it, and frankly, I've watched the, the film yeah. Caveman starring Ringo Starr <laughs> and Dennis Quaid, and he is better in the film Caveman than she is so in it's, this. It's
0: so, good, so good then, because it means it's not her fault. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. She's acting like someone would if they were depicting a suspiciously drifty friend who the audience and protagonist recognises is now possessed by a ghost. <laughs> Like if like if uh, if anyone in Doctor Who started acting yeah. like Alice, they would it's, something it something would be exercised. It's time them. to defeat
1: to that monster. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um now it isn't the fact of an adult Alice that I object to. I don't mind that. I don't think Alice yeah. needs to be a child. My actually my favorite Alice uh, ever put to film because I think it's the most like the the most successful attempt at making a book accurate Alice that I've ever seen was yeah. uh, the adult Kate Beckinsale in a um, in a Channel Four adaptation of *Through the Looking Glass*. Oh, okay. In 1998, where they managed to—and I'm going to be showing you a bit of it when we when we do our sort of extra yeah, yeah. episode—because they managed, which I've never seen before, to just do the book without it being like, oh, just just showing, oh, here's a dodo and it's weird. But actually, con- managing to contextualise everything as this weird, wry, half joke, yeah, yeah, dream situation. Okay. Um, they 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 managed to do that, and in that, uh, Kate Beckinsale like was about 25 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's not my problem. It's just,
1: there's no reason for it here.
0: Well. And, then, and a reason is presented to not do it.
1: Yeah. So in the film. The reason that they ultimately end up settling on is yeah. what, I did, what I alluded to earlier was <laughs> to allow Linda Wolverton to attempt to work some of her, you know, uh, revisionist, of feminist uh, magic on this script and it does not work i did not like it yeah i did not oh, we're, we're like we're talking it. about the
0: framing device with the garden party in the
1: yeah i mean i when watching it i described it as it's like wolverton and burton watched titanic and ah. and thought that the you know the material with billy zane was like too subtle mm. and that they thought they could yeah. just make it a little bit more obvious yeah but it is very much the identical story. You know, the free-spirited, like, uh, imaginative woman who wants to live her own life. She is, you know, because of her, you know, because of because her mother and her family have fallen on hard times. Uh, She's going to be married off into a richer family, and her whole life is now mapped out ahead of her, and yeah. it's going to be a whole bunch of garden parties and formal events, and... You know, a loveless time with a yeah. boring man who doesn't appreciate what she really is and she needs to escape from that. Now, yeah. even those scenes are done infinitely better in Titanic. <laughs> I mean, they're terrible in this film.
0: Yeah, they're really not.
1: They're just so mannered and so, like... it's There's so, no, like, life in them other no, than... No, none at all. Other than, like... They may as well just put up a big red card saying, "Here's the point we're trying to make." Yeah, there's no reality
0: to any of those suits. And what's more, this isn't even the first go at this. Like there was a, there was another movie of Alice in Wonderland in about ninety nine, that sort of time. Yeah, and it was um, that was the one where. The only sort of bit of casting I really remember was that the Mad Hatter was Martin Short, which was a right. brilliant okay. yeah, piece yeah. of casting, because he already has the face of the illustrated Mad Hatter. <laughs> yes, he does. And he was brilliant. Yeah. In it. Like they, Well, I can't remember what his performance was like, but to look at, yeah. he looked identical to the original illustration. Um, but in that, you started with a formal garden party of this sort, and I think the difference there was that she was younger, and she... Um, had to do a recital she was nervous about and in yeah. some way flip in Wonderland. See, this is the problem. When you try and do a framing device of, like, boring life in this period... Yeah. ...which I don't know what king or queen to cite as being the one on the throne at the time, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what period we're talking about. Historians, just fill it in. Yeah. But But um, that period... I feel like it was Victorian, but... I don't know. Yeah. Because that was when the book was written. They, there's this urge to, like, set it then, have a framing device of her life outside Wonderland... And unfortunately, there is no point to Wonderland. So when you're writing a film with a structure, you have to decide what the thing she'll develop as. Yeah. What the the part of her personality she'll develop or the thing she'll overcome. You have to decide what that will be. And whatever you decide, it will always be shoehorned
1: in. Yeah. But even then, there's ways to shoehorn Mm. it in better than they do it here. Well, they actually could. I'll tell you what my big thing about this was, was that... It's supposed
0: to be this stifling life that she's being forced into, yeah. and she isn't. They don't even get that right. They, <laughs> they introduce the concept of it. shes You start off with her riding along in a, in a cart with someone, her mum or someone. That's her mum, I think, yeah, yeah. And her mum's like, you're not wearing your corset and your appropriate shoes. And she goes, yeah, I don't like it. And that's it. So she just has already not... She's already rejected that and isn't going on with it. Yeah. And then... And it's not as if, like, oh, it's an arranged... What they're trying to tell is, like, a story where it's like she's being forced into this thing, which would be, like, an arranged marriage. No, she just proposed to. Yeah. She has the ability
1: to turn him down. There's pressure on because they've organised a garden party around it. But... Well, there's also the... Again, the identical to Titanic Uh thing about her father's death, meaning the the family doesn't have money anymore. (laughs) Okay, and so mm, yeah. therefore she needs to marry this lord, to secure the future of her family and her mother. Gosh,
0: that explains a bit of the ending. I'd forgotten about that because <laughs> the um, since we're not doing chronologically, I might as well say yeah, that. Go we, ahead. Get to, we get to the end and she she turns the guy down, and the guy I found it very difficult to justify the guy. His name was like Hamish, Hamish or something, yes. and, and I was sure he was going to turn out to be the White Rabbit in it or something like that. Yeah, but there's just no point to him. In the wider film, at all. He's just this guy who's presented as a bad suitor for her, and yes, he's a bad suitor. Yeah. But so is she. Like, yeah. it, she's only ever presented as just sort of drifting around talking
1: rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. Like, her individualism is not presented particularly charmingly. No. She j-
0: I made a note of it. Hang on. This is it. I was writing a note about lines I did Oh, yeah. A corset is rather like a codfish. This is an attempt to write in an Alice in Wonderlandy way, but it's yeah. just...
1: It doesn't fit. It isn't anything. It... And this is a, po- a point that goes through the entire film. It's a film that is attempting to wear the clothes yeah. of freewheeling whimsy. Yeah. But inside, it is mechanical. And it's just big, hefty, mundane cogs of yeah. the, the, the kind you would see in a million other machines yeah. just ticking around, ticking around. It's so mundane it's so yeah. generic yeah. like and it's so deliberate it's so like lead-footed the whole yeah. thing like there's no sense to it that it's like that you're in a world that's light on its feet that like oh what fresh wonder could be around the corner it's like that's
0: it there is no wonder
1: there's no wonder in wonderland there's only under <laughs> yes exactly it's and but that you know that that sets in straight away. It sets in like you say in the framing device scenes where yeah. even during the scenes where we're supposed to be being okay, fine, the rest of the world is that mundane, but even Alice comes across as like dull. Totally
0: and, dull. I uh, wouldn't want to have anything to do with her.
1: No, like and frankly she kind of just seems worse than everybody else I mean, because yeah. she's as dull ev- as everyone else, but she kind of like, has she an attitude.
0: She's big. Yeah, funny, Yeah. Exactly,
1: This is the thing.
0: So, but here's the other thing, and I noted this down as well. I put that the film, this is in the opening scene, so I hadn't yet really been confronted with the full mundanity of the whole film. Yeah. But I put, imagine how bored children must have been watching what must have been 15, maybe 20 minutes (laughs) of, like, just unintelligible chat about who's asking for whose hand and whose duty is what and who should take a stroll among the roses.
1: It's a very unprepossessing way to kick off a film.
0: Yeah. And, and as expected, the script is absolutely rotten. Yeah. There was, there was this one line where the mum or someone goes, do you know what I fear most? And Alice goes, the decline of the aristocracy. Yeah. And you're like, right kids? Right, seven-year-olds
1: watching this? <laughs> Why was that there? One for the adults. Yeah. One for the adults who would be old enough to understand that that's not a very funny or decisive yeah. statement. You know,
0: and there's nothing else for those adults anywhere in this film. No, there isn't. A good script, a really good script, which you can't always ask for, and like we like films that don't have this, but yeah. a really good script, every line does multiple things. Or yeah. most lines or lines. Yeah. In this, every line does not even one thing. <laughs> yeah. Most of what anyone says does nothing. Yeah. Um, there was one scene where. It just cut to the Mad Hatter and the Cheshire Cat, and they were just sitting somewhere. And the Cheshire Cat starts going on about how he likes the the Mad Hatter's hat and wants it. Yeah. And the Mad Hatter is, like, keeping it away from him... And there's a version of, of a film out there where this is a, a good animation sequence where yeah. the cat is, like, trying to get it. He's reaching out for it in creative ways. Yeah. Disappearing, appearing behind him, snatching it. Yeah. The hatter has to keep moving it out of the way. Yeah. I feel like I've seen this scene. It could have been done where... Yeah. Instead, he's just like, I like your hat. And the hatter's like, you must not have my hat. And he <laughs> moves it away. Nothing is said. It's, like,
1: not... Like, is it important that the cat likes his hat? I mean... <sighs> Like, the best I could come up with for that scene is that, you know, it is supposed to be a reminder of the kind of... Um, reminder of the kinder. The nature of the Cheshire Cat and, the, you know, the fact that he's kind right. of like this. I mean, you know, like the, the, like, the Cheshire Cat is kind of a bit of a parody of the stereotypical characteristics of a cat. Isn't oh, it? okay. You know, he's kind of faithless, kind of flippant, sort of like, you know, That's yeah, advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out, but if you die, can I have your hat? That kind of thing. But, but it's not a good scene.
0: Yeah. Like, there's load Oh! Was that what it was? Is it, if you die, I'd like your hat? Yes. I didn't even pick up on that. It just seemed to me like, he, I like your hat.
1: No, because he, he, was, he was in jail. He was about to
0: be right. executed. There we go. Yeah. I'd so lost any sense of what was going on.
1: The, all of... Look, I've seen it twice uh, now. The scenes do all have purposes. Sure. But they're just executed the in such do. a boring way. A lot that of the
0: lines... Either didn't or just had, like, say, they were just boring or they just had one purpose. Yeah. Um, In particular, the end of that scene. Yeah. There I had been going, like, why is this even a scene? But at least it ended in a way that I thought a scene that, like, was... You know, I mentioned earlier that this is, like, a film... What a film would be like if it didn't use the language of film. Yeah. And one of the ways... One of the bits I was thinking of was... The end of this scene... Um, so they come to a, a, a good... Like, oh, well, not good, but they come to a conclusion <laughs> An for a scene. acceptable yeah. ending. Which yeah. is that after having talked briefly about something else... Yeah. They tie it back round because the Cheshire cat goes... I really do like that hat. And you you see what they've done. It's the structure of a scene. They've introduced with a bit of business. They've talked about whatever the thing is. And yeah. then they've gone back to the bit of business. Cut the scene there, you're good. But it doesn't. Instead, the hat again says, no, you can't have the hat. Yeah, and the cat goes... I would wear it for every formal occasion. Yeah. And then the scene ends. <laughs> and it's like you've had a scene ending. <laughs> and then you've just put more on that doesn't progress anything. Yeah. And then you've cut to the next thing. And it's like...
1: They, they, it's almost like it, an unedited film. It, it, I guess it feels at times like they think you want time on screen to yeah. luxuriate in the presence of these characters. Yeah, even but, though, I, but I don't. <laughs> no,
0: especially since in the case of the, I mean, the Cheshire Cat, the animation is unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's not good, is it? It's not, and it's not. And I'm, I recognise that we're seven years out now. Yeah. But we had had good CG, even in CG live action hybrid films like this. Yeah. was...
1: Well, I mean, it was after Avatar. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. It was even... At, like, I'd put Stuart Little over this.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. th- this was
0: after so many examples of of putting animation together with live action that I feel like at the time we all sort of thought it was a byproduct of doing a 3D native film. But it, of course it was. I mean, Avatar. But otherwise... Yeah. It, 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 I think we sort of went, oh, well, the Avatar people have got the hang of it and now these other people have to catch up. But these other people are Disney. Yeah, yeah.
1: The, who practically invented animation like i thought because you know none of the animated characters in this film looked in any sense real no and i thought that was like is that on purpose are they deliberately trying to not make them well try and occupy that kind of you know live action yogi bear kind of yeah i mean yeah to an extent
0: and it's an it's an it's an excuse they certainly have yeah but i'm referring to the nuts and bolts of the animation right just talking about the the just the movement of things. What was weird was that some of the characters were fine. Like, the little Dormouse was fine. Yeah. The uh, the, the March Hare was fine. Yeah. Um, it was the Cheshire Cat huh. who wasn't acceptable to me. It was the body of Crispin Glover that was not yeah. at the level it needed to be yeah. for that effect. Um, and it was the footer <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That was the moment which I thought, when, I, when we were setting off to do this, I thought I was going to fixate on that because that was a clip that I saw. And the context in which I saw it was when the film was still out in the cinema. Yeah. Someone captured it on their phone. Yeah. Because of how aghast they were that it existed. Like, yeah. I, I got the sense they went to see the film again just to film this bit and yeah. put it online and go, look, guys, what this is. Yeah. As it stands, that didn't even stand out to me as a moment. No, not when you know it's coming. Not when you know it's coming, but also because, firstly, I actually feel like they established it relatively well by earlier on in the film going like, oh, the whole thing of the Mad Hatter is he wants to be able to dance again. Yeah. But but mostly just because by that time, that was the tone of the film. It was all as crap as that. <laughs> yeah. It was all as crap as that. Much worse than the footer is the moment, and this I was just talking about this a minute ago, I was going to talk about the ending of the film. Yeah. You get back to the real world, and Alice now has her moment where she's supposedly responding to the lessons learned and the development of her character, and she's yeah. going to speak out against these roles that people are putting her in. And instead, she sort of goes through all of the named characters we've met so far roasts them yeah. in an unkind and unreasonable way. Yeah. Especially when she goes up to the old maid who's hoping that one day she'll get married again and goes, yeah. it's a delusion, yeah. get over it, you're never going to meet your prince. Yeah. And she says this kind of in the manner of a Anne Hathaway's White Queen-esque, like, blue fairy character. Like, she's like, you will never achieve your dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, she has one of these for everyone there. Yeah. The only one who deserves it at all is Hamish. She moved on to all these different people. Yeah, having irrelevant things to say. The the fact that there was two sisters. Oh, you remind me of two boys I met in a dream. Okay, next. Yeah. What are you on about? It would be very <laughs> important to get her psychiatric help yeah. straight away. If you were at that party, you would have to call someone. Yeah. Um. And and then this was worse than the photo hacking scene. She go. She turns around and in the in the most emotion she shows in the whole thing, she goes. Oh, and one more thing. Yeah. Hikes up her skirt, does a little jig, which is CG'd on, like her feet aren't real. (laughs) And then she, as if that's her big, so there. Yeah. And then it's, again, it's filmed like, and honestly, the the version I'm going to is Disney's Alice. Like, I think it's, I think I'm thinking of like, either when she's just talked to the Caterpillar or or someone like that. Yeah. That nose in the air, like... and walk away. Yeah. They're trying to give her one of those, but instead she's just, oh, and one more thing. Skirt up, turn, leave. There's no acting in this film. No. Is she all right in other stuff? Have you I, seen I believe didn't? so. Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay, but she's but been in other high-profile films. Give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say this is a Phantom Menace situation. Yeah. The director made sure nobody acted, because it must have done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well, like I said, I mean, I think part of that is that, as I said, nobody has a character to play no, but with he, any anchoring. Even Johnny Depp,
0: who yeah. I'm told can act. I've never seen it happen. Or Ed Wood. Yeah, but I, A, I can't remember it, and B, in that he was doing a weird character yeah, he, all the way through. But he
1: genuinely puts a does lot he? of like, he grounds that, like right. the problem isn't when he does a weird voice, it's when he put, does a weird voice and doesn't ground it in anything. Yeah. That was the big problem with Willy Wonka. It was just a collection of tics yeah. and mannerisms. Yeah. This character, frankly, I thought he did a much better job of grounding the Mad Hatter in something...
0: I suppose. ...than he did with instantly. Willy Wonka. And yet I came out of it feeling nothing more from it. And it, feeling less, Willy Wonka annoyed me. This yeah. just had nothing. Yeah, I, yeah. It, the... But I think that's the script's fault. Whoever's fault it is, I now focus on Johnny Depp's performance. It was all just sort of, I, I am saying lines. I will sometimes pinch my voice. It, there's there's no performance here, except sometimes he starts to rant and someone stops him. And there's a, the first time this happens, he turns around and goes, Thank you. And he's back into his nothing acting again. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's what it is. It's nothing acting. It's a whole film of nothing.
1: He is... Uh, him and Bottom Carter, and like I said, and I, 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 Crispin Glover, uh-huh. those three are the f- three people who were attempting to act.
0: They were attempting to, and in a different film, Yeah. they are the correct cast for those characters. Yes. It's even, like, in a version of this, if it was just this film, but with acting in it, with performance in it. Yeah, yeah. With, with With anything in it. The, the I, I have a lot of problem with the directing in this, and I don't know enough film school stuff to exactly say what it is. But there were so many times when we were just in a scene. Yeah. And you would have a slow close-up on a character smiling, and then you would have a slow close-up on the 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 sword yeah. on, on its thing. And, and it wouldn't be to establish the sword because it's been in the scene up till now. Yeah. And they've just put it there and you watched them. Yeah. So it's not to show you the sword is there. It's not to show you this is someone's, what someone's face looks like. Yeah, There's just... I don't understand the direction of this film and it seems not to be film
1: direction. It's just something else. I can say, I just... I don't know what you can do with a script that is as broken as this. What no. It is. Um... Because one of the other points that I was going to come back to Imagine is like... Imagine writing this script. Sorry? Imagine r- writing
0: this script and going like, on this page they will say Jabberwocky. And it's like, <laughs> it's like they just didn't... It's I've, It's not like it's phoned in. Because when yeah. you phone something in, you go wrong. You gibber yeah. you, you, you too much. This yeah.
1: is concentrated nothingness. Sorry, what was
0: the but, main point but you are trying thing. to make? That's the thing it?
1: though, like, there's... <laughs> there's nothingness and then there's stuff in it that's just completely wrong. Yeah. Like, there is stuff that's wrong. For me, the key thing that's wrong yeah. is, as you say, we get the, stu- the framing device stuff with Alice where it's established she's a free spirit. Mm-hmm. She needs to not be locked into this life where all the things are decided for her and she's just going to live out yep. the fate that somebody else has assigned to her. She needs to, you know, go off and be her own person. And you know, it's clearly it's clearly a feminist commentary. Sure. It's clearly, a, you know, like it's clearly a commentary on like, you know, the patriarchy yep. and like patriarchal roles placed upon women, etc, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cool. That's the kind of stuff that's interesting that could be good to see in a film like this. So then she goes off to Underland and how she learns to not be this way is to find out she is the subject of a prophecy. Yeah and have everyone in the world tell her exactly what it is that she needs to do, say that she doesn't want to do it, but then for very little justified reason does it anyway. Do it
0: anyway because it's her duty.
1: Because it's her duty. And then at the end of that, oh, I'm a free spirit now. And then so she comes back to the real world, does her little act of non-defiance, and then in the happy ending, becomes a colonialist privateer for her father's company... That's
0: really weird. ...on behalf
1: of the British Empire. Because yeah. <laughs> w- what says sticking it to the patriarchy better than that? That is so strange. And I... Like, and again, that's, like... <laughs> this is clearly not a pro-colonialism film. No! But it's just a thing where it's just like, did you even think what you wrote? Yeah. Did you even think yeah. that, like what you were trying to accomplish is not in any sense accomplished by what you've written. Yeah. Did anyone making this ever think? Were they aware they
0: were making it? <laughs> it feels like a film made by aliens <laughs> after they've, like, studied some films and want to try and fool us. It's like... It's like a film made to interfere with the election last <laughs> year. <laughs> It's like it's made by bots, and it's nearly convincing enough, but for some reason. Honestly, watching this film felt like the day of the election. Watching this film felt like Brexit Day. This was a very popular film. It was this realisation that a controlling majority of people (laughs) operate on just a a, a wavelength that doesn't seem to connect into the world that I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like the moment where... You transition from the the boring, mundane world to the Wonderland. Yeah. By, there she is up on the podium. I think either she's been asked to marry him. Yeah, I think yeah she it. has. Yeah. She has to decide. And she sees the white rabbit. Yeah. And then just doesn't react. I think yeah. it was the first moment I really knew there wasn't going to be acting in this film. She just looks back at the people watching her and just looks at that. And, it, and it, I think it's supposed to be like, do I go that way? Do I go this way? Do I, but instead it's just... Mm. <laughs> There's a rabbit. There's a rabbit wearing clothes. The music doesn't do anything. At any point in this film, the music never does anything. The soundtrack to this film is the equivalent if you were watching the film and then you remembered you'd left one of the Arkham games open on the title screen. (laughs) There's just this like...
1: happening all the time. Yeah. It doesn't score any
0: emotions, it doesn't score any beats.
1: I would put Danny Elfman in the category of people who were kind of on autopilot. Is it Danny Elfman? Yeah.
0: I don't... Do you know what? I don't think it was. I think it was Danny Elfman in the sense that Hans Zimmer is Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I think it was Danny Elfman...
1: Danny Elfman's underlings. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he just hired anyone. Yeah.
0: And gone, put my name on it.
1: You know what I sound like. Diddly
0: diddly bomb bomb, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, but they didn't even do that. It was just like... Uh,
1: duh. It was more the kind of like... Oh, oh, oh. Side of Danny Elfman, <laughs> rather than the bo- 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 yeah. bo- bo side of Danny it was, Elfman.
0: Yeah, it was the bit that happens when something is being gradually zoomed in on that's about
1: to lead into a bomb, 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 bomb.
0: Yeah, but they never led into anything, and neither did the film. The no. film is always zooming in.
1: That's the thing, though. If you're Danny Elfman, it's like, all right, I need to accentuate the emotional peaks and troughs of this film. Oh wait, there aren't any.
0: <laughs> I got it. It was Tim Burton, but it was just a portion of Tim Burton, and it was the portion of it. That directed that bit where the alien is in disguise as a woman in Mars Attacks
1: and just drifts around. Yeah. And he directed everyone to do that. I really liked but that without it being in funny. Mars Attacks. What if we do that for everyone in the whole film? Yes. <laughs> Regardless of whether it's a good idea. And, it, and make sure it isn't funny. Yeah. I'm trying something here. Then he watches it back afterwards like, Oh no, that's terrible oh well, just release it. Here's a note about a bit I particularly disliked. Okay. Hatter makes
0: some faces for a while as he puts different hats on the queen. Yeah. And then, three hats in says, you look good in that hat, with the emphasis on hat, rather than that. As if, it's you. how you'd say it if a person showed up in a hat and you <laughs> went, oh, you look good in that hat, yeah. rather than in that hat, as yeah. if you'd just been putting a di- load of different hats on a person and yeah. you've reached the hat you like. Yeah. Then a woman's nose falls off and is fake.
1: Yeah. It
0: later makes sense, because yeah. they're trying to make bits of them big. Yeah. Because the as I, if they think the Queen likes a bit of people to be big, it's pretty clear it's the head she wants to be big.
1: Yeah. That's a underdeveloped concept. Yes. The courtiers and their weird prosthetics. Yes. And you can...
0: I can see this scene in a proper Tim Burton film. I can imagine, like... The alive cast of
1: Beetlejuice <laughs> responding to things falling off them,
0: yeah, in a way that makes that
1: makes some sort of sense in his style. Imagine if, like, he'd got performances in Alice, like he got in Beetlejuice. This is it.
0: Well, that, the exact, that's what it calls for. Yeah. Why? Why didn't he do it? He I just didn't. He could have. Yeah, just, he could have. There's nothing stopping him. He just didn't. Yeah. And then Depp does some of his awful facial twiddling for a while. As he helps her to notice her f- her nose has fallen off. Yeah. And then he starts looking at other people and laughing for some reason. And then someone whispers in the Queen's ear and she screams into the camera, STARE! And then it um, like zooms out she, to show she, she, how loudly she shouts. She
1: shouts, um, Stain, because that's Why? the name of the knave.
0: Is it? Yeah. Ah, now this does. Th- okay, this is. No, it's not. This isn't my failing. All the way through this flipping film, they give everyone random names without telling us that that's their names. Yeah. And they just say them. Yeah. So, at some point, I'm sure she sees a white rabbit and goes like, ''Oh, you look just like two attempt to be kept bitchy You What is that? And it's the name of the white rabbit in this, apparently. Or...
1: Again, it's as if there was a previous film... ...where all of these characters were introduced. Yes. The only reason I know any of these characters' names is because I've seen the Wikipedia article. That's
0: it. It's like you're supposed to have. And okay, I actually think this is, like, a perfectly acceptable way for children to watch a film. It's like you're supposed to have already got the sticker book and stuff, and, like, yeah. you're supposed to know the characters' names before you go in because you're a child and you've read all about it.
1: But you can't make a film like No, that. you shouldn't. Yeah. The
0: only one that I thought that I got any sense of what the character's name was, was the caterpillar. I can't remember it now, but it Absalom. was... Right, but yeah. it was at least brought in. Now, at that moment, when they first said Absalom, I remember thinking, is that the name for what he's smoking? Is that the name for the mushrooms on... I, f- I feel like I thought that... I wasn't quite sure it was his name, but they eventually established it quickly enough
1: yeah. that it's fine. But everyone, yeah, it's just the fact that everyone's calling each other by their given names that we we don't know because they have never been previously established because they've been made up for this film. And if it was that they were just talking to each other... I quite liked the bit. In the execrably long and
0: drawn-out eat-me-drink-me key-on-the-table scene, which is done beat-for-beat, the same as the original, but with no dialogue, so it was like a weird dance sequence.
1: Yeah, and it was just really dull and there was no sense of imagination to any of the way it was staged. Because, like, normally what's interesting about that when it's live-action is figuring out and, and looking at and examining the interesting way in which they realise it. Yeah, and this is just like, well, it's CG. Yeah, this is the most boring that yeah. I've ever seen it. Yeah. Um,
0: and I've seen a ballet of it. <laughs> they just do it with just like, she goes over there, then she's that size, then she... But I quite liked that they then cut to some voices, jabbering, looking through like a crack in the door or a keyhole or something, going, why doesn't she remember any of this from last time? And you kind of go, oh... Oh, that's what this film is going to be. And yeah. I liked it. That's That, to me, was promising that it was going to be this film of people going, Yeah, we've been through this.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: then they spent the whole of the rest of the film going through it as if they didn't remember it from last time. Yeah. And um, so, in that way, if it had just been the characters chattering among themselves and going like, Oh, very good, Absalom. Let's deal with this. If they'd just been using the names that way... Yeah. That's fine to give them names. The problem is that they don't talk to each other very much with those names, and a- Alice
1: later knows them somehow. Probably from the last time that happened in the previous film. Oh, God, I never that. doesn't that. exist.
0: But she never remembers that, though. She ne- there's never a moment... Re- oh, there is. Is that when the flashback happens? That's her meant to be remembering I her. guess, yeah. That's the info dump coming into her brain.
1: I suppose, but it, just, it doesn't come into our brain.
0: No, and it certainly... I'm sure after that she's still saying, Oh, I'm not the chosen one. I'm not going to kill the, the Jabberwocky. Which... <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, imagine getting Christopher Lee to yeah. voice the Jabberwock and having him go, Hello, I'm the Jabberwock, and then be beheaded instantly.
1: Not even. Not even. Not even beheaded instantly. Because he has one line, and then Alice is just like. Alice basically says a line that is. That could. You may as well replace it in the film with. It's time for us to stop paying Christopher Lee <laughs> and replace yeah. this with monster sound effect yeah and cuts off his tongue yes right this film i found super
0: gruesome yeah right. right with those bleeding gashes on her arm what was with all the eye impalements there was an eye gouged out but- right in front of me in apparently
1: 3d but it wasn't even like that was the only eye that got stabbed no, was a
0: film no like the mad hatter <laughs> grabs what must be a hat pin and pokes crispin glover in the eye yeah Stop it! (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. Why? That little mouse! What? Stuck a pin or something in an eye and plucked it out! Yeah. Big, on a screen. Why was this in? Why did we have these cuts and gashes and blood and eyes coming out and a tongue being cut out? Yeah. Which is one of the most horrible things you can do. And then... And then... A film in which uh, what was silly nonsense has now been turned into this story, this epic fantasy with an overarching plot. Why... In any story of that sort, in any heroic story, is the final triumph that Alice shouts off with your head and beheads someone. The (laughs) calling card villainous thing of the villain that she is against. Yeah. As soon as you're voiced by Christopher Lee, you're a person and Alice just beheaded one. Yeah. Yeah. And we see the meat and severed bone, and we see it inside its neck. Yeah. And somehow, because of how crap and drab this whole thing is, there's nothing gross or surprising about that sight. Yeah. Um, I don't even know whether the film acknowledges this shocking moment with Alice shouting, off with your head, and beheading a sentient creature, because although there are a few shots of different characters reacting, they've reacted exactly the same to everything that ever happened, <laughs> and nobody in the
1: film can act. <laughs> yeah... It's an awkward moment, isn't it? Yeah. And, and an artifact of trying to turn Alice in Wonderland into a um, Lord of the Rings-slash-Narnia-style no. action-adventure story where the culmination of the story is not that, you know, Alice goes back to... J- just that she goes back to her normal life, but that she puts on a set of, like, fantasy armor, takes the <laughs> magic sword, and kills the thing. yeah that they it, made Alice kill yeah Alice Alice the one from Alice in Wonderland yeah <laughs> and they made that the whole story that the she, point that, yeah that's the point and that is what she needs to do yeah. to prove herself as an independent woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah like once you've once you have proven that you ma- you've mastered the ability to kill <laughs> Then you can claim your independence and become a colonialist privateer for the British Empire. Now that was really (laughs) weird. Yeah, we are not the only people to notice that. Good, oh good. Um, But like I said, I don't feel as though that was a point they were making. No. I just think they were stupid. I hate how they keep
0: taking random words from Alice and making them be things. Yeah. The Frab just day. I
1: hated the Frab just day thing. You're taking something that is literally just intended to be yeah. a frivolous little bit mm. of nonsense poetry and trying to attach mythic weight to it, even though it's a freaking stupid word yeah. that a poet invented as a joke. Mm. Loads of this film is like that, but the Frab just day yeah. thing was all was the most recurrent one and the thing that upset me the most consistently. Yeah. And most felt like a constant clanging reminder yeah. that we are doing this wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> it was awful. There's a goodbye scene. Yeah.
0: Where not a single word of it is any good at all. Yeah. Ending in them trying to turn why is a raven like a writing desk into a poignant final question between parting friends.
1: <laughs> Wasn't that moment great? I mean, after a certain definition of great, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is a good time to dovetail into unless you had any further nuts and bolts commentary on this film to dovetail into the weird way in which this film has occupied this really paradoxical place in culture now yeah whereby it is a significant film but it also totally isn't it's
0: weird isn't it in yeah.
1: any sense because this is a film that was like you know as we said at the top of the show it was huge mm. it was a huge success yep and there is a big way in which this film is a really, really important cornerstone of Disney history just in general. And that's the fact that this was the film that ended up being the proof of concept for this entire live-action yep. remake project that they're really throwing everything at right yeah. now. Like these And r- it's it's been a success. People are huge, really into them. Yeah, they're re- you know, like Beauty and the Beast did, you know, like well, like a billion and a half this year. It was massive. Biggest film of the year, almost, or maybe outright, I can't remember. But, um... And all all of that traces back to Alice in Wonderland and how successful it was and how much everybody loved it. (laughs) Except, like, they didn't. Yeah. And none of the remaining films, Maleficent aside, and the sequel, the direct sequel aside, have really followed in this film's footsteps at all. No. Seemingly because... They realized that actually, no, no one does love this. Mm. The proof is in the complete rejection of what you would have thought was the foundational principle of why they made this film and then Maleficent in a similar vein. It seemed for a while like what they were going to do with these Disney live action remakes was these will be revisionist reinterpretations yes. of films that we've already done. We're not gonna just do the same thing again. Like, so, here we've got a version of Alice in Wonderland that's reimagined in, you know, more dark, more goth, (laughs) but also in this kind of like, it's, you know, now it's a feminist fable, albeit a feminist fable where the main character ends up as a colonialist privateer, but a feminist fable nonetheless. And then, you know, we're going to follow that up with a version of Sleeping Beauty that reimagines Maleficent as, like, a a wronged heroine, you know, like, again, rebuke of patriarchal society, etc. Oh, you know, I'm kind of talking off the cuff here because we've not seen that one yet. That one will be... You you haven't seen that at all? I've not seen it at all. I know what it is in essence, but... Disney's
0: first and least successful response to Wicked.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, That will be next. But yeah, so those films felt like they were of a piece... But then they did Cinderella. Yeah. Which was... It it injected some of that contemporary... A a sense of a more grounded approach to kind of like contemporary ways that characters interact, different genders interact. But it's a Cinderella movie. Yeah. Really, really straight down the middle Cinderella movie. That did really well for them. And it it
0: leaned fairly into the fact that it was... You remember Disney's Cinderella? Well, check it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so did Maleficent, obviously. Well, of course. Uh, But the Cinderella
0: one was just Cinderella. Disney's Cinderella. Disney's Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah, 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 with
1: with a few tweaks. Jungle Book was that as well, again.
0: Yeah, by uh, that time, they'd fully landed on, like, we are remaking Disney cartoons.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so the template left behind by Alice in Wonderland, despite it being the proof of concept, and despite it being like, oh, this is the film that proves that there's a huge audience for this. Let's not do this mm. though because they I don't know it's almost like either they realized that people didn't like it or they didn't like it <laughs> almost. Yeah, or there's maybe maybe they
0: were worried that with some things it would like harm the brand a bit. Alice in Wonderland yeah is never really been their brand no matter what. And so they it it's okay to like reinterpret it whereas with some things you have to be not well, you have to be a bit more careful, you have to decide what you're doing rather yeah. than just throw someone at it and go reimagine this,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, like we mentioned with the Jungle Book, yeah. they did that with the Jungle Book with the Stephen Summers movie in the 90s, yeah. and that was just throwing a filmmaker at the Jungle Book and saying, yeah. use what you want from our stuff, but otherwise, do your own thing. And he did his own thing, and it was nothing like any version of the Jungle Book that anyone had any connection to, and it's now a, forgo- a completely forgotten footnote. Yeah. Whereas the new one is, again, we'll talk about this in a future yes. episode. haven't seen it's, it, yeah. it It is a, a reimagining of the Jungle Book, and it does ultimately derive a completely different point from the story, both in terms of its moral and the genre approach it takes, uh-huh. but it's also built completely out of components mm. from the Disney version. Yeah and very much leans completely into the iconography of the Disney version. And then, you know, you've got, you know, you extrapolate that further into Beauty and the Beast, which is literally just, what if we paid a bunch of celebrities to act out Beauty and the Beast? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, like, the Alice in Wonderland template suddenly seems like it's fusty and forgotten about, despite making a billion dollars. And when they did attempt to revive it, it kind of felt like the way that Looking Glass came out. It felt like a contractual obligation mm. on everybody's part. The fact that they waited—when well, did it come out? That was last year, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, six, year six
1: years is way too long. Oh, yeah, to wait for a sequel to such a flash in the pan of the moment mm. success. And it's a mystifying thing that they even bothered making it. It really
0: is, because they'd moved on from they it. They had
1: moved on from it. Everyone had moved on yeah. from it, as the box office results showed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be the equivalent of, like, green-lighting a ton of Avatar sequels. Or <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> if you will. But there, at least with Avatar, you know that there is the one person who's most important, James Cameron, yeah. who is still passionate about that, as ever he is about literally anything. <laughs> Whereas... Looking Glass, yeah. I didn't feel like there was anybody involved in that project who thought, like, no. we still have a story to tell here. Clearly Tim Burton didn't, because he didn't direct it. Yeah, um, Nobody did. Like I said, Looking Glass actually was, in some ways, a more coherent film. Mm. But the sheer level to which it's a contractual obligation that nobody cares about just radiates from the screen. And the biggest reason for that is because it really doesn't feel like anybody cares about this version of Alice in Wonderland no, anymore. And this is an
0: effect that I got from this film. I feel as if they, I feel as if they had the idea and of Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Someone said that, and I don't know yeah. if it was Tim Burton. I don't know who it was, but whatever happened, yeah. However, they all assembled in that room, yeah. Whether it, it, that almost feels contractually obligated to me, like he wanted to do some other film, so he had to make Alice because, yeah. There's no joy in the film there is no sense that anyone making it anywhere in the chain yeah could give two tosses about this
1: film no despite how lavish it it is
0: now this is yes now i wanted to say this earlier i actually i've presented myself as some kind of alice purist which uh, i hope i've established that i'm not but i have nothing against any of the design in this film i think it's all pretty good yeah i think that basically if if this was a, a picture book, if this was an illustrated book, yeah. I would think it was really cool. The different interpretations of everything are like, they're not grotesque. They're not American McGee. Like, yeah. oh, look at this grossness. It's just like a weird new way of presenting these things. The the queen with her big head, perfectly good design. Even the Mad Hatter, which is the biggest sort of... The most divisive one, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the biggest change yeah. from what it was. What it was like, yeah. why is he all those colours and so on? Yeah, But... At least as a design, it's fine. It's perfectly good to look at. It's fine. The problem is when they is what they do with them. Is when they start to move. Even the um, even the Tweedles, which yeah. I think are, are horrible to look at on they screen.
1: They are. I hate looking at them.
0: Pause it, and they're fine. It taking the idea of taking Matt Lucas and stretching him out to a ball is yeah. a perfectly good way of doing Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and the way that they did it is fine. It looks like him while also not looking like it. It's fine. Yeah. But it's how they move. It's yeah. the, the worst moment of the way they move is is during the photoacan scene where they do a little sort of. Yeah, I hate dance. that. It yeah. upsets me. <laughs> yeah, it's really gross, and it's so weird that they couldn't muster just a muster just a better animation standard it just looks so half-hearted yeah compared to other stuff out at the time yeah. what else had been out not not just avatar what other stuff that we would recognize as like the state
1: of the art at the time was out in 2010 i'm trying to think 2010, 2010. i'm just trying to fi- I'm, I'm trying to remember where the marvel movies were up to at that time um, like uh Well. we'd had iron man obviously we pr- i think you know, we'd probably had Iron Man two. We'd had yeah, probably Th- no Thor and Captain America with the f- following year. Um, Is that Captain America after Iron Man two. Yeah, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, they they had the head wiggling about on a CG body situation as well, but so
1: not to the same degree. Not to the same
0: degree, and but that was because they were trying to look realistic. And that
1: was a much. Le- those were much less visually lavish. films. Yeah. I can't really. I, I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of a film of that, ex- of that I year's guess that, I, vintage that was exactly I guess there is, on this scale.
0: Well, there isn't really another film of, of this sort, is there? So I guess yeah. that's part of the problem we're having. But, like, but The Cheshire Cat is pure CG animation, and yeah. we'd had lots of films of that that were better than
1: that. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult film to assess its legacy properly, mm. whether in a Disney sense or in a broader cultural sense. Because I think it has opened the door for... Door? for for them to make more films not just disney but for them to make more films on this kind of like scale yeah and that's good i sure, like yeah. i like seeing films you know like filmscapes that are this unreal
0: yes i suppose the thing the whole concept of a disney live action film had kind of gone away we'd already yeah. had, we'd had enchanted yeah but that had been a, a clawing back of the idea of Disney making films at all. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and it deliberately grounded everything in an everydayness. Yeah. Um, whereas this, like, you know, this, you know, for all of its faults, is a lavish, lavish production yeah. uh, where, you know, imagina- you know, it, imaginative kind of, like, created from whole cloth visuals are everywhere. And, you know, clearly set designers and production designers would have had a field day on this yeah. and... I welcome the fact that it made a billion dollars to open the door for, like, now Hollywood can make more of these yeah. kinds of movies. And right now, with the exception of, like, the fact that things are very franchise-oriented, yeah. we're in a good time for genre filmmaking. Yeah. You know, you are likely... There's no shortage of them. Yeah, you're, you know, if you want to go out there and you want to go and make just a film that's 90% unreal with big stars and just yeah. crazy stuff going on all over the place, the big haul of this film has helped that. yeah, And it's helped Disney to do that. and It
0: has. And particularly, um, the. Uh, for example, before the last few years, there would be no question of Disney ever making anything like Bedknobs and Broomsticks ever again, or like yeah. Mary Poppins. And of course, you know, they won't because those were of the time. But what yeah. I mean is, the, the concept of a live-action Disney film frivolous family movie. Yeah, was down to the level of like, I mean all I'm thinking of right now is like, you know, they did remake Herbie for TV
1: and and yeah, that was more or or, less or, the, or, or and, the Tim Allen remake of The Shaggy Dog. Exactly. Whereas
0: now, okay, I thought it was tremendously boring and didn't get halfway
1: through it, but Tomorrowland was made. That's it. And like again, Tomorrowland is, you know, it's a deeply flawed film, but that's a guy's vision. That's Brad Bird's vision, clearly. Right. And we're getting A Wrinkle in Time. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, uh, I love the trailer for that. It looks fabulous.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Ava DuVernay, like the director of Selma, on the biggest budget mm. a woman of colour has ever been given, getting to make a massive-scale live-action blockbuster mm. for Disney. Yeah. And maybe that doesn't happen if Alice yeah. in Wonderland doesn't pave the way for like, oh, Disney are in th- back yeah. in this game again.
0: And have to, they almost, now that they're back in that game, they have yeah. to stay back in that game. So these films are getting greenlit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Rampant. And I mean, a lot of them aren't necessarily paying off. I mean, sure. the one, particularly the ones that aren't direct remakes, like, mm. like John Carter,
0: or oh, like, gosh, l-
1: like Tomorrowland.
0: Mm. Um, Me and Abby went through a little phase of, um, we watched like The Parent Trap, yeah. We, just, we wanted Disney. We just wanted something we hadn't seen before. Some And so we went, I know, 60s live-action Disney. We threw The Parent Trap on. It is great. Yeah, yeah. We loved it. Yeah, yeah. So much. And yeah. then we watched, like, from there, we watched, like, The Apple Dumpling Gang. That was okay. okay. But, like, the there's this whole world of, of things that they used to make. Yeah. And now they kind of can again. And they yeah. can be taken seriously. Um, unfortunately... I'm not so into this new style so far, mm-hmm. but now that I'm starting to, you know, like as I'm referring again to Tomorrowland, now that I'm watching these, perhaps I'll watch it develop and, and sort of,
1: yeah, yeah, make and, some, you know, so sense we're get, of it. we're getting uh, Mary Poppins returns as well. Yeah, I'm very Should interested to see how that goes
0: because uh, that is like opening the doors to that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, again, that's the thing, and I would probably attribute that to a lineage that began with Alice in yeah. Wonderland. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, so especially. Because um, it seems like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda's in that, and he seems to have come to it by way of a sort of general acceptance into Disney with him sitting in the Howard Ashman chair for the Little Mermaid remake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: I suppose also the fa- there's the fact that, like, that's going to be directed by Rob Marshall, uh, who's in the Disney fold because of Into the Woods, right. which they also made, right? Oh, gosh, was that
0: Disney? I think you're right. Yeah, that
1: was them. Not seen that since we saw it, does it? But, uh, again, would they make Into the Woods? If not, oh, who knows? If not for this stuff. Huh. Mind you, that probably owes more to Les Mis, doesn't it? Maybe, but would Disney want to get a piece of that if who they knows. hadn't already seen, well, we made Alice in Wonderland and yeah. what a big success that was? So I suppose in this respect, Alice in Wonderland could end up having a net positive <laughs> legacy. I guess. Even though it's a bad adaptation of. Alice in Wonderland. Sure. It's a bad adaptation of Alice in Wonderland, the movie. Yeah. And it's a bad film. And it is a bad film, isn't it? It it's, is a bad film. It's very difficult to understand anyone who thinks it isn't. And that's the thing. I don't know that there is anyone who doesn't.
0: I've never met anyone, but you know what'll happen. Like, If yeah. if, if, if I were to now go on Twitter and go, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland is bad, there'd be people going like, I
1: really like it. I'm Look, I'm sure there are, uh, you know, people who like it, because there's people who like anything. Yeah. I don't mean there's people who like any old crap. There's people
0: who like genocide. There's <laughs> yeah. People who like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> They're all coming out of the woodwork in 2017.
1: <laughs> but what I mean is like any film is going to be somebody's favorite film, yeah. and it's going to be their favorite film for a really pure reason that's yeah. going to be very like positive in their life. Yeah. but it's like how I love the Mario film. Exactly. I know how bad it is. Exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. But I do not think that there is better any- than
0: this, by the way better than alice in wonderland by a long shot it is it's got acting and vision
1: in it and stuff the acting is better (laughs) definitely but yeah as i say it's i do not believe there are any significant groups or movements that would defend alice in wonderland as a film i don't believe it's a generational thing i don't believe that even anyone at disney like i say really likes it hence the fact that they've moved away from it so much Mm. It's just. It's this weird footnote now. This weird billion
0: dollar footnote. And you know what's a real shame? Is that that Marilyn Manson Willy Wonka version of Alice? Yeah. A really weird Alice in Wonderland film would have been so interesting. A Pan's Labyrinth Alice.
1: Yeah, it genuinely would have. On that budget? Yes. But.
0: Even this version with.
1: Care. With care,
0: yeah. And, the, and, I, and I don't mean the, just the kind of care that one takes at, like, you know, watering a garden. I mean <laughs> caring. Anyone in it caring about it. Yeah. Anyone who made it caring about this film. Because this is what it looks like when care is removed
1: yeah, from a product. And you throw everything else at it other than care. Like, this film has everything going for it other than any passion. Yeah. And it's weird to see what that looks like why would you do that once you've
0: got the budget once the design is done the design is fine I love that dying uh, windmill in the background of the tea party yeah bleak scene all that stuff I thought it was all good once you've got that why would you stop? If you're all going to be in it, if you're yeah. all going to make it... You've all committed. The cameraman is here. <laughs> if you've all got to do it... You're all wearing the stupid yeah. clothes. Why don't you put a bit of... There was one bit towards the end where it was like the finale and the Mad Hatter just walks up to Alice from quite far away, walking despondently through a green screen backdrop yeah. studio to deliver a line that, that ended in the earnest question, why is a raven like a writing <laughs>
1: Just go away but this is the thing it is difficult to care when that's the material yeah. you have Yeah, you can't do it no there's you cannot this is the ultimate polished turd yeah it, it really, really is, is. yeah and that's they, exactly what it is they polished it they polished it super hard yeah. and they post converted the turd to 3D <laughs> but doesn't change its nature they introduced the turd dimension <laughs> I think we should wrap it up now Right. On that note... Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to
0: this again. Uh, no, we are... I'm quite excited about this. I'm really looking forward to seeing this, this raft of Disney films I haven't seen. Yeah. Which I've sort of, like, avoided because I kind of didn't see the point. But you, yeah. you talked me into seeing the point. Because you've always been more interested in film experiment projects. Yeah. Harry yeah. Potter... The Marvel, Marvel universe, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in the sense of, like, not just, are these individually good films, but, like, what does this represent? What, you know, has, has this kind of thing ever been yeah. done before? And if not, why not? And now it's being done, what are the potential knock-on consequences of that? And we're seeing the knock-on consequences of Alice in Wonderland now, yeah. and they're an interesting bunch of films. Mm-hmm. They are interesting. You, I, th- I predict you will not like... Probably a majority of them.
0: Yeah, but I'll try and be fair. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not, like I said at the beginning, I'm not here to be a grouchy old Disney fan because I I don't care about that. It's fine. You can, like, we've already seen that, like, anything that may have been wrong with, I don't know, Maleficent... Yeah. ...hasn't changed my Blu-ray of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And it hasn't even, like... Even, I, I, I even... Cinderella is a good one. I don't really think that these ultimately are going to replace the old ones I in mean, anyone's
1: I, heart mind. I'm happy for, Cindy, for Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella he, well, to replace okay, the animated on. one. I much prefer it.
0: In that case, sure. But I, I don't even predict Beauty and the Beast will. Yeah. I think a few year, I mean, five years from now, Beauty and the Beast, the animated version, will still be the main version. Yes. Even in the, the kids who watched the live-action one when they were the right age. Because yeah.
1: there's just more identity there. Agreed. But, like with this film, even though this is a bad film, mm. it's interesting to see why. Oh,
0: I'm I'm very interested. I had to fight to remain interested as I was watching it. Yeah. <laughs> but as a thing, I'm interested and I'm very interested. But it's in
1: interesting for all this. reasons that surround yeah. the film yeah. rather than anything that's And that's in what the film. we want to talk about, right? Really. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I think you're gonna have a good time with this project, even if you don't have a good time with the films. Yes. So next time it's Maleficent. Yes, it should be and the, that, uh, that'll be an interesting one because both of us are coming into that one cold.
0: Yeah, great.
1: We may not I'm have a good time it. watching it, nah. but I think we'll have a good time recording about it and hopefully you lovely people <laughs> on the other side of the internet will have at least an acceptable time <laughs> listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we encourage them to watch the films? I
0: mean, yes, we should. Why not? Yeah, go on. Well, yeah, throw on Maleficent. And then and we'll all reconvene another time and we'll talk about Maleficent.
1: Yes. Okay. Until then, this has been educational. Yes. And nice. And serious. Business.
2: Bye! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello again uh, we were uh, this isn't spooky. this isn't like bad news or anything. I just uh, used this tune once so I thought I'd use it again. We were wrong about what film it was next time. We were going to do Maleficent. But then something interesting happened and instead we talked about the sequel to Tim Burton's Alice Alice through the Looking Glass Maleficent will now be the episode after that to find out what unexpected thing happened that caused us to record another Alice episode, we'll, we'll have to listen to the episode. This film is like it was generated by aliens trying to decode what
1: linear thought is.
0: (laughs) It feels like the writers have never heard a sentence before and the director has never seen a picture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Agreed. (laughs)